terrifying vision of the fucking midterms and all the apathetic bullshit we're bound to hear about the promises Biden didn't keep and the bills this Congress didn't pass and the issues the Democrats didn't prioritize. And I can already hear us screaming, don't you remember 2016? Just the same way that we screamed, don't you remember 2010 back in 2016? And don't you remember 2000 back in 2010? And don't you remember 1988 and 2000? And don't you remember 1980 and back in 1988? You know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, like maybe it'll be different this time. Maybe Texas will light a fire under our asses. Maybe we'll have more than six weeks of political memory for once in my fucking lifetime. But history sure as hell doesn't suggest it. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is nobody, because I'm not here. I'm on vacation. So is Ethan Eli. But... Just because we can't comment on the news doesn't mean we can't do a few headlines. We've actually been stocking up for months now. So we've got some extras that never made it onto the show for you. But first, a word from this week's sponsor, IP Vanish. Hey, Lucinda. What's with the weird closet thing? Skiff, Noah. I'm, I'm sorry, Skiff? Sensitive compartmented information facility. Like high-level government officials use to ward off electronic surveillance. I see. And why did you have a skiff installed in our house? Well, the targeted ads online are getting way too apropos. I'm pretty sure they've got bugs in the house at this point. Okay, well, Lucinda, if you're worried about advertisers getting your information online, why not try IP Vanish? What's IP Vanish? Screwing the stats all up. What? IP Vanish is a virtual private network, a VPN for short. A VPN is an important tool that helps you safely browse the Internet. You can use a VPN on your computers, tablets, phones, even things like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use a VPN, all your data is encrypted, what you're reading, what you're searching, what you're watching, whatever it is you're doing. I don't know, babe. It sounds expensive. Compared to a skiff? I bought it used from Scott Pruitt. You let it go pretty cheap. Okay, no, that makes sense. But for listeners of our show, IP Vanish is offering an incredible 65% off their annual plan, equal to six months free somehow. It's super easy to use. You turn it on with a click of a button, and it runs seamlessly in the background, helping protect you while you're browsing the web. All right, now I'm sold. How do I sign up? Just go to ipvanish.com slash scaling to claim your 65% savings. Their annual plan is just $44.99 for the first year with our exclusive discount. This is the time to sign up. With our discount and their current promotions, you can get a VPN for 65% off their usual offering. IP Vanish is the best of the best, even rated 4.7 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot with more than 6,000 reviews. Remember, that's ipvanish.com slash scaling to get the deal and start protecting yourself online. Will do, but I'm keeping a skiff. Are you sure? It it takes up so much space. Given the way the Supreme Court is going, I feel like I'm going to get spied on pretty soon. So Okay. No, yeah, actually, that makes sense. Yeah. And now, headlines from the past, already in progress. And in bye-bye sexual news. A Christian has once again tried to explain why gay people exist. And until Gotham installs that spotlight with our logo, that is our bat signal here at the Scathing Atheist. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about it. Now, the author in question is the editor of the Gospel Coalition, Joe Carter, who, by the way, looks like a chia pet trying its very best to act straight. He weighed in on the latest Gallup poll that says 5.6% of Americans now identify as LGBTQ, as opposed to 3.5% in 2012. That's right, everybody. Nine years, 2.1% gayer. (laughs) Nailing it. (laughs) 2.1 percentage points. The group got 60% bigger. Yeah. There you go. I, I want to use whatever phrasing makes Joe Carter 
extra terrifying. <laughs> That's how it works. 60%. Every gay person from 2012 is now a gay person plus a second gay person with like their legs chopped off at mid thigh and they're coming for you. Yeah, they are. They are. But it's so weird. It's like how it got more socially acceptable to be an atheist. There were suddenly more atheists. Like all those people that weren't atheists and believed in the Christian telling of the creation <laughs> of the universe suddenly stopped believing in God when it became more socially acceptable. It's like that. Right, right then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the atheism thing was mostly our podcast. No, oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, that was us. That was us. Yeah. You're welcome. But of course, Joe Carter knows the real reason behind this change. Social contagion. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. Quote, He'll social contagion. <laughs> Quote, social contagion and normalization of homosexuality have combined to make the younger, highly susceptible and credulous generations believe they should identify as LGBTQ. What? Okay, he won't really explain. He'll say something. <laughs> <laughs> social contagion is the only adequate explanation for why so many younger people, especially women, claim to be bisexual oh. or by curious in such a short time. Yeah, the only possible explanation. <laughs> yeah, that tolerance contagion that we created in a Chinese lab is finally spreading. Our plan yeah, is we're finally it. coming together. Yeah, I just, I, I certainly can't imagine any other reason that more and more women would find a life devoid of male companionship appealing. Why don't you explain <laughs> it to us more, Joe? <laughs> Tell us what the ladies are thinking some more. <laughs> oh, but he does manage to get wronger. It's true. It's not just social contagion, he explains. It's also porn. Of course it is. Really listen to this quote. I'm interested. He's got my, he has my attention. Go. This is, this is really That's, good. That is your key word, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Alexa to my smart speaker. Exactly. Boobs. Yeah. Okay, I'd like to say something. <laughs> All right, that I'm attention. Yeah. Quote, for years, the most popular search term for pornography for women has been lesbian. This is a bit of a misnomer, however, since most of the porn produced for this category is by women who also produce heterosexual porn. <laughs> Wait, and, oh, why doesn't know how porn works? <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah, okay, look, lesbian porn is way less likely to suddenly have some weird, objectifying, degrading shit pop up midway through your masturbation, dude. That's it. I solved it. <laughs> and he's all confused. He's like, no, this makes any sense, because... Strippers love me. They do. They love me. I don't even know this is so weird. So funny. Social contagion. Yeah. So there you have it. Just to sum up his points here. The young and credulous are getting tricked into gayness mm -hmm. by the lesbian porn they watch yep. mm -hmm. because of how straight they are. Mm -hmm. That's his That's his idea. That's his <laughs> uh, by the way, side note, Joe. Hey, buddy, if you can get tricked into gayness, you're gay. Yeah. I mean, look, good for you. Live and let live. But. You're a gay person. And don't get me wrong. I'll pretend to be tricked for Thomas Smith from opening arguments because he needs to stay married. But we both know what's going on, Joe. We both know what's going on. Next up in headlines, we have a story about Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> you might remember her as the QAnon supporting member of Congress who's banned from all committees. Congress decided she's so stupid and vile that her entire job is being present like <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard is not. You also might remember her as Ann Coulter after being sanded down for safety. All the yep. Sharp mm -hmm. edges. Child safe Ann Coulter. <laughs> it's an OSHA thing. Well, despite being removed from 
any congressional topic with a worded title, she still managed to confirm that her existence is a hate crime by herself and the entire Republican Party. Yeah. When she posted an anti-trans bigot sign on the wall outside her office for the express purpose of making Democrat Congresswoman Marie Newman see it. Because Newman's office is across the hall and Newman's daughter is trans and Marjorie Taylor Greene's a piece of garbage. They're bullying people's kids now. Yeah. Right. Like if you're a Republican right now, you've got to be gearing up for the moment where you're going to have to defend competitive puppy kicking. Yep. Right. Like, like, like the pundits on the right have at least dusted off their pro puppy kicking <laughs> arguments at this point. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you put that sign where my trans child could see it, they wouldn't have to kick you out of Congress. They wouldn't have to. It's, 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 <laughs> I have no idea what Eli means by that. So in fairness to Marjorie Taylor, who happens to share our first name with Eli's dog, <laughs> in fairness to Madge Taylor, it was the Democrats who started it. They started uh, the fight. And in fairness to my dog, she is named after a Game of Thrones character. Well, yeah, who, um, who raped a child. Yeah, not when she it. was you named. Not <laughs> she was named. Good work. So the conflict never would have happened if Democrats didn't try to pass a bill that made people equal under the law. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about the Equality Act. And when you make people equal under the law, especially when that includes people of any gender identity or any sexual orientation... That is a direct attack on the God of the universe. Sure. So after the House voted to fuck God and pass the bill, Marie Newman decided to put up the transgender flag outside her office in solidarity. And that's when Madge Taylor Greene responded with her bigot spite sign. It reads, there are two genders, male and female. Trust the science! Exclamation. Yeah. Yeah, fucking Jewish space laser lady would like everybody to take the science a little more seriously. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she got the fucking pseudoscientific argument wrong. Right? Shocking. The, the pseudoscientific <laughs> argument is that there are only two sexes, not yeah, genders. You lost her. Right? That's like if you believed that Eastern Standard Time is the only time zone, and then you put a sign outside your door that says, there is only one clock to prove it. <laughs> Trust the clock science, idiots. Read a clock. So, obviously, Madge Taylor Green is disgusting. But we did get to watch her fail miserably at her bare-bones job like she's a cop on desk duty right now. Yes, we did. Yes, we she did. She started by arguing against the bill, claiming that it would protect pedophiles and destroy women's rights. Apparently, she's a big feminist right now. She's big into <laughs> yeah. women's rights. Regardless, she knows the Republicans don't have the votes to block it, so she tries to adjourn Congress. What the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> and everyone was like... No, right? <laughs> because of the votes that you were just thinking about before you panicked and tried to call a timeout, yeah, you obviously knew the states. So yeah, turns out the blue votes add up the same for a bill itself and timeouts on that bill by curses. So bottom line, fuck your face, fuck your stupid claymation and culture face in the face. Yeah. And in lowest shaman denominator news tonight. I'm <laughs> super proud of that. I woke up in the middle of the night with that one just in my head. I was like, oh, this is common denominator. I'm sorry. Yes. No, I'm sorry. I, this is just really good. I'm writing sorry. this down. Sorry, Loki. Yep. <laughs> Lucinda. Lucinda. Wake back up. Remember, shaman, it's really good. I'll tell I you. I didn't tomorrow. have a pen, so you have to. <laughs> I'm just going to call my. Leave a text for you.
All right. So, yeah, but it turns out that laws sometimes still apply to religious people, even if they're conservative, huh. uh, as, as long as they're not Christian. Right. Uh, OK. And we learned that this week when a judge denied the request of loyal order of the water buffalo slash Braveheart crossover character Jacob Chansley, the <laughs> self-described like QAnon <laughs> shaman. Right. He looks like he's just trying to get Barney and Fred to fight in this war. Right. <laughs> and, and of course, this is the guy that uh, we all remember for managing to look like a ridiculous asshole, even in a crowd of rabid Trump supporters, Impressive. and for somehow simultaneously physically embodying both the reason we should take Trump's attempts at insurrection seriously and the reason we can't. <laughs> it was like Cirque du Soleil insurrection in his audition. <laughs> right. I, I honestly thought he was going to do a silks routine on the Senate floor when I first yes. saw him. Fucking awesome. So anyway, so his lawyers asked last month that he be released from prison while awaiting trial because, you know, religion stuff. <laughs> And on Monday, U.S. District Judge Royce C. Lamberth officially told him to go fuck himself. Good. Which it actually looked like he might start doing during a <laughs> Also, for the record, just in case this ever applies, I am a devout no consequences for my actions ist. So, yeah, no, yeah, no, I, no, I, I know that about you, for you have been for quite some time. All right. So the crux of his request was that his shamanic beliefs, which is a fucking hodgepodge of shitty made up by sowing half understood shamanic religions to two thirds understood conspiracy theories, don't allow him to take vaccines. Liar. And because of that and the result in safety protocols at the jail that he's in, his lawyer claims that meaningful, unmonitored communication with his client isn't possible. That's not why, though. Well, right. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, so, but yeah, right. Was, were we going to sentence him to be educated? Come on now. Now, apparently this vaccine dumbassery is not new. Chansley was actually discharged from the Navy in 2007 for refusing to take an anthrax vaccine. But the fact that he's been stupid for a while didn't impress the judge. He issued a 32-page scathing opinion that includes the words, quote, To put it plainly, the defendant's religious objections to the COVID-19 vaccine is not a relevant reason, let alone a compelling reason, to grant his temporary release, end quote. In fact, he pointed out that despite meaningful communication supposedly being impossible, Chansley and his fucking lawyer were on goddamn 60 Minutes last week. (laughs) Also, if he felt safe with a giant mob carrying out an armed insurrection without wearing a mask, I think he can handle jail with a mask. Fuck you. Man, it's too bad there's nothing about being tortured in Islam, right? Abu Ghraib would have worked itself out on Fox News in no time. (laughs) Whoa! Now, I should emphasize that the most newsworthy thing about this story is that it's newsworthy, right? So it's worth remembering that his religious freedom was enough to force the prison to go out and buy all organic food for the motherfucker, (laughs) even though his religion is just shit he's making up as he goes along, and organic food is a vacuous marketing distinction. Yeah, for the record, if I ever to go to jail, my religion dictates that I can only eat keys to my cell. This is very serious. <laughs> so, <laughs> very no, serious. I've known that about you for a very long time. You've said that for a long Sincerely time. Sincerely held keys. Yep. Sincerely held. <laughs> in fact, look, so even in this distinction, the judge goes out of his way to emphasize that you know he will grant special consideration to the defendant because of religious bonus rights, just not this special consideration. In response to the ridiculous claim by Chancellor's lawyer that he isn't a flight risk because he's very, very religious and would just never do such a thing. The judge says those arguments are insufficient as guarantors that will show up for his next court appearance, but adds that they are, quote, possibly relevant at sentencing, end quote. (laughs) Why? Absolutely not. I thought I was liking this judge for a second. (laughs) I know you're very, very religious, 
So you get to die in jail, huh? That's fun. <laughs> you go to heaven or get reincarnated, whatever mood you're whatever. in today. Come back as an organic <laughs> potato. And next up headlines. In Lorraine in the Membrane News. <laughs> Such a good pun, right, Eli? Thank really you? good pun. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a story about Christian Wright talking head and patron saint of calling the cops about blacking in a public park, Deanna <laughs> Lorraine. She recently declared that she won't get the COVID vaccine, even if Jesus Christ himself gets it. He gets stuck with all kinds of shit. So. Yeah. Which is uh, good news or bad news, depending on how many lives you're willing to sacrifice to see Deanna Lorraine die of COVID, I guess. <laughs> it's a lot. Everybody's got to pick their number. That's a high number. So during a recent episode of 17. Deanna Lorraine Live on, per- did you say 17? 17. That, that's, that's, but that, it's not how many would you physically kill, though. It's how many would you like be okay with seeing die. Oh. It's higher now, right? Higher than 17. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll take the over on that, too. Okay. <laughs> so during a recent episode of Deanna Lorraine Live on Periscope, that's her thing now, I guess. <laughs> she announced that she's been dressing up in medical scrubs, pretending to be a doctor or a nurse. What? And going into businesses without a mask. To argue with people about the science of COVID, pretending like she's an authority because of her scrubs. How did it get worse? And and yet there's some conservative out there going, oh, I see, but y'all don't mind when Jill Biden does it. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole murdery stunt was her response to Governor Greg Abbott of Texas proclaiming that COVID is it's all taken care of now. Mm-hmm. And he lifted the mask mandate and he declared that everything is fully open in Texas now. Yep. Apparently, she lives in Texas now. She used to be in California. And this was her way of celebrating her viral freedom. Here's the exact words from Deanna Lorraine, proudly describing how she became a medical expert by dressing up all sciency. Quote, I'm wearing a nurse's outfit because I'm going around and I'm videotaping me going to different stores, restaurants, department stores, bars, etc., and videotaping people's reactions to me not wearing a mask and having them try to educate a doctor or a nurse on how masks save lives. Tell me, a doctor or a nurse, how masks somehow save lives. Apparently she identified herself as a doctor or nurse when she was doing this stunt. I don't quite understand that. That's weird that you said you're one or the other of two occupations. Anyway, continuing. You go ahead, Walmart store clerk. You go ahead, grocery store bagger, and you tell me something I don't know already. You try to school me on something that I went to school for. But you didn't quote, go. No, you did. she did not. <laughs> that is correct. Did you, Thank you. Do you think that when you put on that outfit, <laughs> you just get those powers? She's insane. Yes, she's she ran for public office. Just for the record about her schooling, she went to school for a degree in, quote, according to her LinkedIn, organizational communications, public relations, journalism, and psychology. What? She has a BA in whatever the fuck that department is that has all of those things. <laughs> Look, I, okay, so I'm sorry. I know this isn't the point, but um, did she say videotaping? videotaping. <laughs> yes. When is she? Did her video have like <laughs> January 1st, 2000 chirons in the bottom left? <laughs> okay, but. This stunt proves the opposite of what yes. her point is, yes. right? Yes, it does. She's dressing up as someone with expertise to pretend expertise agrees with her <laughs> to prove the point 
that all the doctors and nurses who actually are doctors and nurses disagree. She might as well walk around with a New York Times that she wrote over in Sharpie that says COVID is no big deal and be like, I'm sorry, grocery store clerk. Are you arguing with the New York Times? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she might as well do that in the New York Times headquarters and be like, are you arguing with the Sharpie over your... Jesus Christ. (laughs) And just a little extra context about Deanna Lorraine. In case anyone missed it, she announced last September that women should all be voting for Donald Trump in the general election because he's an alpha male. Yep. Just a reminder, less than a week later after she said that, that alpha male needed to be injected with a muddled Dutch fetus just to keep him alive. (laughs) (laughs) And then he lost by 7 million votes to beta Joe Biden. That's what happened soon after. Yeah. You might also remember Lorraine forgetting... 1.8% 1.8% of the vote in the nonpartisan primary to represent California District 12 in the House last year. And she also famously spent her entire career not being a doctor or a nurse. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the most important thing to Okay, to but that here. said, we now know that Lorraine is okay with impersonating medical personnel to make a political point. So, next time she has a doctor's appointment, I have a hilarious <laughs> prank in mind that I think we're all going to agree is very deserved. I think we're going to need to get it on Betamax, too. Yeah. <laughs> it. No, man. It she will be captured. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to close out the headlines for the night. Pre-recorded Heath, pre-recorded Eli. Thanks, as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, we'll see just how unfamiliar Christians are with the way that books behave. world of entertainment, the lowest form of everything is the Christian version. And, with a few notable exceptions, the second lowest form of everything is the children's version of that thing. So, it stands (laughs) to reason that the absolute nadir of art will be found in Christian children's entertainment, which we will prove once again with another edition of God Awful Minis. So, tell us, Heath, what will we be breaking down today? We watched... Salty the Songbook, Kids Praise 2. It's a Christian kids musical show with, I'm pretty sure, a white power theme. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Or or it is an MKUltra brainwashing movie to make me into a Manchurian candidate. (laughs) Or both. Yeah, actually. It's it's hard to say. (laughs) And Eli, how bad was this mini? Well... If you loved Barney the Dinosaur, but you wish they kept filming after his psychotic break, you (laughs) will love this mini. Also, I know we don't usually do this on the minis, but it's very important to me. I'm going to go with best worst subplot that only Heath is following. There are some letters that will follow (laughs) and do tremendous grievance to my friend Ethan right throughout this children's production. They don't make any sense. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. All right. So, now, we're open. here's the one that gets me right off the bat. We're going to open up on enough microphone hiss to make a snake cringe, and then we're told everything we need to know about the production value and the time it takes for that logo to pop up. Oh, that sweet, sweet, salty Kids Co. logo. Oh, uh, no, a question. Did all the real instruments vanish from 1969 to 2001? Did we get them back for 9-11? <laughs> it was all since before then. <laughs> Yeah, we used a lot of synthesizers at this point in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we call them synthesizers. All right. So, yeah, so we get the intro song, which we've seen before. This is the, the song wherein 
fucking salty the songbook, which is a dude in a giant Bible costume, goes pied pipering his way through a neighborhood. Yeah, okay. So, pro tip. If a guy in a mascot uniform is walking down the street singing, skipping down the street singing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't let your small child run along with the mascot guy. Yeah, always a bad move. You, you just, you got to know that. Jesus. I got to say, I was trying to get some of the lyrics on this song, so I turned on the YouTube closed captioning. It was amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite things that I've ever read. And they they have no fucking idea, but yeah. So all the kids are skipping along, and, and of course you're supposed to be like, wow, Salty sure does appeal to a... A lot of children from diverse ethnic and cultural backgrounds, right? <laughs> I also, I forgot so many things about this theme that I love. The first is, it just seems like several children's shows are trying to start independently at the same time. The kids are singing a song, Salty's singing a song, there's background trombones <laughs> yeah. doing their own thing. I also forgot that they include in the theme song the part where Salty almost eats shit because he's in a giant books costume in the forest. Well, they're also the one where he runs down the slide. Yeah, right? that's where I expected because, like, I have seriously considered buying this IP just so we could reshoot this intro, have him eat shit on the way down that slide, and just splice it into all the old shows. Yes, <laughs> they can't stop you legally. Yeah, Salty stops singing the theme entirely at one point because, yeah, he's walking in giant mascot shoes and comes so close to eating it a bunch of times. <laughs> I was rooting so hard. Yeah, he's just he stops singing and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. The kids continue yeah. the fucking song. Yep. I'm a little shut the fuck up. I'm trying to concentrate. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the lyrics here, I'm a little praiser and a hallelujah raiser. Yep. And I stand about three feet tall. And God damn it, this got stuck in my head for like uh, conservatively two years when we watched this last time. Yeah. And yeah. Again right now. It's in there. Yep. Dear listener. Do not watch this video. Do not watch it. I've been doing it ever since. It's Do it. terrifying. Salty is your God for now. your own sake. I switched it to six feet tall in my head, and I'm singing about myself now. It's really bad. <laughs> so, okay, so all the little boys and girls pile into Salty's worship workshop. Hey, pro tip, if the singing mascot has a workshop expressionist lair, <laughs> don't go inside. <laughs> Okay, I just want to point out that the outside of the workshop is very clearly what they let some church group paint, and it looks like fucking dog shit. Everything else is a children's show shit, but this one looks fucking garbage. It's pretty awful, yeah. So they all come in, we're reminded that he has a giant, like, disembodied nose on his wall. <laughs> it's the nose at all. Uh -huh. Every time we see it, I just want them to be like, oh, no, it's the international Jew. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no, it's, it's the nose at all. <laughs> it's, it's my goddamn nightmare. Every single visual thing. I, I hate it so much. It's very, very unpleasant. Don't watch this. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, the nose sneezes. Teehee. And Salty says, are you not feeling well? And he's like, no, I just wanted to remind you guys to obey the Lord. Like, what the fuck does sneezing have to do? So he sneezes to get your attention? Dick move. <laughs> right? <laughs> but just then we hear some thunder and lightning outside. Now, at, at this point, everybody puts on a raincoat, even though they're inside. The ending of this is going to be as bad as you're fearing it might be. 
Um, you well, have no idea what the ending to this is going to be. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, take a moment, podcast listener. I do. I know. I tell you to do this occasionally. Be like, hey, what's the most tone deaf, <laughs> thought blind thing they could end this episode on? You don't have it. Really, go there. You, you don't, don't have it. it. You're not going far enough. Actually, I promise you do you. have it. You just don't think you have it. You're like, well, it couldn't be, but you've got it. You do, you do. have it. All right. So yeah. But Salty has a song about rain falling, and, and he wants to sing that with everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's a story about a wise man and a foolish man, and he decides to cast that for a little skit during the song, and he's like, okay, who wants to be the wise man? Who wants to be the foolish man? Girls, hands down. Hands down, all the girls. <laughs> this actually gets way worse if we have lady characters from the Bible. Oh, yeah, no do. shit. <laughs> so who wants to be chopped up and mailed all over Israel? Yeah. <laughs> So we get our, our first song or second song after the theme, and it's about how wise people build their houses on rocks and foolish people build their houses on sand. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get what they're going for, but don't build your house on a fucking rock. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, but they they think it's a good idea, and they build their little house in this skit not on the rock they have. It's just, nope, next to a rock. Yep. <laughs> Still, though, they're very clearly like, huh? huh? Did Barney tell you about what makes the best foundations for Bronze Age housing? No. <laughs> Take that, Barney. Doesn't <laughs> do shit is why. Yeah, so the good kid builds a house on a, on a rock, and, and then Salty dumps water on that kid's hat, right? He's got a little pitcher, and he just dumps some water on their head for no discernible reason. Right. Yeah, and the, the, the lyric is like, the floods came up because the water came down, or whatever. So... The flood is like flooding this entire house and it's going to kill the person because if they had put it on sand, it would have fucking drained and they would have been fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But now we cut to the foolish kid who's building his house on the sand and and then Salty dumps something on him, too. OK. Um, yeah. He dumps what we will later learn is vanilla pudding. On this Literally channel? vanilla fucking puddings. But, uh, yeah. I mean, short of pina colada mix, that is, uh, that's a bunch of cum on that kid's cum. Yes. It's cum. Yep. It's cum. And he's like, how's that taste, buddy? Try it out. Try it. And the kid is licking yellowish white goop off his own face. Like, yellow <laughs> goo from 1981 as a prop is going into this child. <laughs> Who is being poisoned right now? Oh, yeah. I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, all the other views on this video on YouTube are for perverts. <laughs> and then, okay, and then they like, so, so the point is, is that this kid didn't build his house on a firm foundation, and so it's gonna, gonna fall down. But after they dump this fucking stage sperm all over this kid's face, then they tear his little house down. It's so awful. Okay. But this is possibly one of my favorite moments in the movie. Salty has to kick it over. And the act, there's so much rage in that moment of freedom from the actor. <laughs> he kicks it so hard. You see the kids all get scared and jump. He's like, I went to Juilliard. And they're like, what, Salty? And he's like, I mean, I'll have a little praiser and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, the song goes um, on to say, like, so build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, for one, imagined his legs sticking out from under it like Dorothy just landed a house on it, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, like, exactly. What do you mean exactly by that? But, yeah, so then we finish this up by zooming in on the yellow custard shit that's on this kid's face. But then they're going to try out some wordplay now that that song's done. And that goes as well as you'd expect. 
Oh, there's so much here. This opening pun sequence, it's what I imagine Heath's hell is, right? Yeah, they're they're not puns. They're (laughs) no. So he's got a musical note on the wall on like a poster. And Salty's like, so this used to be a yellow note, but somebody pushed it through a horn. And now it's a blue note. And, and it's, so the note itself is the color blue to go with that pun, I guess. And then he's like, hey, press it, see what happens. And we hear it, and it, it's not a note, it's six different notes, four mm-hmm. different tones. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, kind of yeah, one of those could be considered a blue note, actually. And then I, <laughs> I was mad at myself. I was like, fuck, they actually got that right. And I was trying to correct the music. <laughs> and, and, while he's doing his little wordplay thing, he drops some very dark reflections in here, one of which is that he has a daughter, which implies that Salty the Psalm book has and can fuck. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was because he told his daughter to take some notes, and that's why there's notes missing. It's so bad. At one point, though, there's two kids that are swinging on a couple of, like, eighth notes that are connected by a bar or whatever, but when you first see it as really kind of looks like a pair of testicles that they're swinging on, right? Like, they they have to really, like, back off to a certain angle before you realize that's not what they're going for. Yep. They're swing notes. Swing is a music. It's swing notes. What the fuck is it? Because I know what a blue note is and a sharp and a flat. What the fuck is a swing note? Anyway, yeah. A note isn't swing. By definition, there would need to be other notes (laughs) to make it possibly swing-related in some way. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, th- this goes on for as long as I can think of different Eternity. note words. <laughs> yeah. And also we should point out that there's, like, when, when he makes a joke, there's these disembodied mouths that'll come God up and laugh so that you go, laughing mouths. Mm-hmm. This is my clockwork orange torture. <laughs> this is this is what I was talking about with the MKUltra thing. It's terrifying. Yeah, no, it's a disturbing image, but they keep doing it over and over again. No, 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 we made it funny. Trust us. We. Yeah. It's it's the applause sound of laugh cues. I was like, you know what? I I think I'm going to murder Kennedy. I think I am going to murder Kennedy. (laughs) Thought it over. Yeah. But this ultimately all leads into him saying, yes, when you're making music, you can choose any note that you want. But one thing you should always choose is to follow our leader, Jesus. Yeah. That's the segue. I wrote as a joke in my notes. Speaking of choices, homosexuality. And I was so close. So (laughs) close, my friend. So, yeah, so we could all, one choice we could all make is to obey and stop choosing for ourselves. But um, I don't think they they pick up on that. And one kid is like, hey, does that, are you suggesting that we could play follow the leader? Because that would be funny. He's like, you can do that for two seconds and then I'm back on Jesus, okay? (laughs) He comes out, he's like, touch your heads, and Salty fucking side tackles him out of the way. He's like, speaking of leaders, we need to follow Jesus, who is our leader. Yeah, exactly. You've had your four seconds of fun. It's time to supplicate ourselves before the Lord some more. <laughs> so now they, they're going to sing a song about following Jesus, which is also what the fucking last two songs were about, but okay. Mm-hmm. This is also where they introduce the letter blocks. What? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's the blocks that have letters on the side, and right now we see them. L-L-R-A-S-R. There's a heart on a block after that, and then also the letter I. And I was like, I must figure this out. I don't know why. Why do I care so much? But I was like... Is this the Konami code? Left, left, right? No? Okay, it's not the Konami (laughs) code. 
<laughs> and then I'm trying to spell stuff out. I'm doing jumbles. It's like, okay, L-R, like left, Sound right. L-R heart liars. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> God. So, yeah, so they sing their little song. Uh, the lyrics are, follow the leader, Jesus Christ the King. Follow the leader, everybody's sing. That's how hard they're trying. Yeah, and they keep doing all the like, God commands, but they don't do any of the fun ones. They just do, like, read your Bible. I was like, where's the scare away birds before you take the eggs or you'll be put to death, huh? Coward. <laughs> I don't remember any of this because I was just like, if they don't explain these goddamn letters, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> if you take out your right headphone, you can hear Heath's 20-minute commentary on whether or not these letters smell worse. i glass. I'm doing math. <laughs> well, so, okay, and then during this song, one of the lyrics is about how sometimes in life you'll fall down, but Jesus will pick you back up. And when he says that, he pushes, like, again, violently shoves two kids to the ground. So hard. I'm pretty sure one of them is the same one that got the facial earlier, and I yeah. think Salty just fucking hates that kid. Yeah, 100%. That's his real son, and he's working through <laughs> some shit. <laughs> or he's, like, flirting with that kid and, like, pushing him down on okay, the Okay, yeah, yep, right, sure. right, yeah. I love, too, because the kids, they're, as they're doing this song, they keep doing this thing where the kids are standing on the blocks, and they'll walk around on a, in a circle and get back on the blocks. At one point, the kids forget how the blocking goes, and they just stand in the background arguing about it for like 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> but the show must go on, I guess. They probably just wanted to understand what the letters meant. Whatever. That's the argument yeah. they're having. Yeah, right, right. So that song wraps up, and we cut to Salty counting down for hide-and-seek. Oh, yeah. these kids fucking suck at hide-and-seek, by the way. They're all yeah. just standing, like, next to a lamp. Yeah, no, they're terrible. Also, they just one more pro tip. Whip those kids' asses. If the mascot with an expressionist lair that you're now in closes his eyes for ten seconds, run the fuck away. Yeah. You're ten <laughs> seconds now, you yeah. go away. You hide further. But we can't. But the kids can't get a single goddamn game in around this preachy motherfucker, because just as they're trying to play hide-and-seek... Buford Bugle Lamp shows up and he's like, well, you know, hide and seek sure is fun, but you can't hide from the judgment of God. <laughs> I, we cannot be clear that this is without exaggeration the message. They will introduce four puppets yep. and all four puppets will be like, no, you cannot hide from God. He is omniscient. He sees everything you do. He knows everything you think. There is no hiding from him. Yeah. And this is the second time that the kids were just about, they were starting a game that yeah. they were enjoying for three seconds. And then it was like, fuck you, God, Jesus, you can't hide. He's coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Never play hide and seek with Jesus. He can see through the fucking holes in his hands when he covers his eyes, people. Hello. He's yep. cheating. Yeah. This is also where we meet Bertha Bureau. Okay. Yeah. So, um. We didn't describe anywhere near close to the most offensive thing that's happened in this scene yet or this entire <laughs> nope. movie show. So, yeah, we meet Bertha Bureau, and she says, my maiden name was Venation. Birth of a nation, right? right. Birth of a nation. They made a birth of a nation pun, uh, presumably to entertain the parents that they knew they were selling to. I really wanted the camera to cut over to like one of the black kids who's just like, yikes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there, there is a little black girl there. I wanted her to just destroy this bureau with an axe <laughs> immediately after this comment. 
Yeah, to be clear, they just made a joke about a movie that was so racist that the 19 teens called it out for being too racist. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. But yeah, but just as we're all trying to catch our breath from that, the concertina twins puppets come in and just like, what we're trying to say is Jesus knows when you touch your dick. That's oh. what we want you to know. My wife was furious that they besmirched the fine name of concertinas everywhere. I was distracted <laughs> from the rest of the scene because we she did like a fucking Ibsen-esque monologue about the vengeance she would have on Salty the Songbook. <laughs> yeah, but of course they have a song about not playing hide-and-seek with Jesus. Oh my, this song is what a clown should sing as he chases you through a hall of mirrors with a kitchen knife. <laughs> it's such a terrifying song. I wanted one kid to mess up, get hit by lightning, and then they all just start like crying and keep singing. <laughs> if I wrote this song as a parody, people would be like, little broad, Eli, little broad. Yeah. Also, just a reminder, we're about to hear a song from Bertha Bureau Ney. Birth of a Nation. So I was like, <laughs> are they going to do a minstrel show? I'm not surprised if they do a minstrel show. And then you look at Salty and you're like, okay. He's, oh, wow. He's a fucking yep. color switch away. He's all blue. He's a color switch away from literally minstrel show makeup with like the eyes all yep. colored out in white is gross. Guaranteed there's a first version of Salty where he is just in blackface and he's like what? Bibles are black and then you know an angry teary fight later they settled on blue. Yeah right <laughs> right oh god yeah so the, this song goes on like it says don't play hide and seek from the lord that loves you like 10 to the 23rd fucking times and the last line of it is you can't hide from God which is way more of a threat than kids' songs usually end on, in my experience. Yeah, I'm God, and I'm fucking everywhere, motherfuckers. <laughs> Boop! Kids' song. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> okay, and so when that song ends, another little girl comes up, kind of seemingly a little disturbed about how God watches her pee. Yep. Right? And she's like, uh, <laughs> does God watch me poop? And Salty's like, oh yeah, that is special. That is special. <laughs> Does God collect bulk metadata? Yeah, right. comfortable. Would it make you feel any better if your friends dressed up as living flesh oh, and threatened you that'd specifically? Be great. That'd okay, be great. well then, good news. Yeah, another great masterful segue. A bunch of the kids just show up and they're like, hey, Salty, apropos of nothing, I dressed as an eye, she dressed as a hand, he dressed as a foot, and they dressed as an ear. Do you have a song about that, maybe? Okay. <laughs> There's a kid dressed as a giant disembodied eyeball here yes and the eyeball costume is enormous and way too fucking heavy this kid is his <laughs> yeah. neck is about to snap for yeah. the rest yeah. of the he song. can't breathe we watch him die in the costume <laughs> <laughs> this is a snuff film also there was a block with a letter e now too and i was like okay l l r a s r heart i e Heart ralliers? That's, that's not See, I what? started using the heart as a blank earlier and I got ralliers, but yeah, yeah. Ooh. So yeah, but luckily it just so happens that Salty does have a disembodied ear song, but first they'll have to perform the invocation of the circle of imagination. <laughs> <laughs> they have to teleport for the song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, apparently they have a circle of imagination that will teleport them anywhere in the world, so they go to the park down the street. Yep. And then they sing this song. Now, this song, this is a, like, don't tell mommy what happened here today song, right? No. Mm, the Pope yes. scratched this song out. 
<laughs> so, okay, so the 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 eyeball comes up, and the the song lyrics are like, "Be careful, little eyes, what you see." Yeah, be careful, little ears, what you hear. How the fuck do you control eyes and ears seeing and hearing? Like, what are you gonna do there? How do you? It's in the. I was like, oh, maybe homeschool is what they're going for. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But the moral seems to be see no evil, hear no evil thus far. And then it goes because there's one of them dressed in a foot, and it's like, be careful, little feet, where you go. And I'm like, that's not a god thing. Like atheists have to do that too. Like well, anybody can step on a fucking Lego. Come on. Yeah. And yeah. then and then they they have don't touch hot things with the hands. Well, yeah, be careful, little hands, what you do. And and I'm thinking this. Okay, this is a masturbation thing, but they show the hand with a match. So <laughs> some depressed kid walks over in a penis costume. Just do it, Kyle. Just do it. <laughs> hey, I don't think the match disqualifies it from being a masturbation. <laughs> okay, all right, no, fair, fair. I don't yeah. need a kink shame. <laughs> so, Mine's also, very raspy. We should point out that the fucking that the hand costume is so fucking bad that if it wasn't for the song, you would not know what body part they were going. Like that, you'd be like, oh, and you're the gallbladder you're the turkey man of dicks yeah <laughs> right. yeah, yeah exactly also just a reminder these little ears and eyes that we're talking about they're hearing and seeing birth of a nation from their parents vcr yep, they yeah, are right it's true right okay now i can see why you want them to be careful okay so that song fizzles out and we we masterfully segue into the next scene by having a kid run to salty and say Hey, Salty, what's that thing from the next scene? Yeah, he says, what's that thing with the purple pipes? And I wanted so badly for Salty to be like, oh, that's my bone collection. <laughs> but it's so much worse. It, it's, it's worse. The, it's worse. It's the quote. I shit you not. Purple pipe sprays organ. Oh. Exact words. And also 100% what this guy has named his penis. 100%. Yep. He's named his penis, Purple Pipe Praise Organ, and he's worked it into a kid's show now. Yep. A kid's show that has already had a birth of a nation joke. I'm starting to think that they just did this to <laughs> fuck with us. Like they saw podcasting coming somehow all those years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but so he's got this organ where every different key is a different sound effect. So now it actually sounds like a podcast. <laughs> and then that rolls, of course, into another song about loving Jesus a lot. Okay. And the only thing I want to point out about this song, actually, I have so many things. But the first thing I want to point out about this song is that they give this one little girl a solo. And she is, for some reason, made up like a coroner's first try. <laughs> like like grandma's <laughs> lipstick for your TV show. It's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. So the little girl that stood out to me is because at one point in this song, they, they all do a bunch of leapfrog and there's one kid that's taking it. This one little girl is taking it Heath levels of serious. She is so competitively <laughs> leaping up. She just like starts throwing her arms up in victory. I expect her to start taking a shit on some other kid's chest at the end of it. It was amazing. Okay. I was taken in by the somersaulting. They all do those shitty somersault on your neck that you could do. If I tried to do a somersault like this, I'd be in the hospital for yeah. eight years. Yeah. Uh, the benefits of youth. And I was focused on the blocks with L-U-N-R now. L-L-R-A-S-R-I-E-L-U-R heart. And I was like, I I heart lulls rarer. That's nothing. I got so angry. Heart surreal, real. Those are three words. Yeah. And then there was a Y on the side of one of the blocks, and I gave up. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, is that once you start flipping around, you have, have too six. many permutations. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, some of them have symbols like hearts, apparently. But yeah, and this song, of course, ends on the line, and I quote, Suffer ye the little children to come unto me. Yep, the only thing scarier than Bible verses is Bible verses said by children. Sung by children, even worse. Yeah, there was apparently a rule in this song that each verse had to be scarier than the last one. (laughs) And also, like, I know they're kids, but the last kid who does his little solo sings like when you stretch out the balloon as it's deflating. (laughs) Absolutely. I feel bad for him, too, because... They kept giving this one kid, this is the the vanilla pudding kid, yep. too. Mm-hmm. And they kept giving him lines in the song that are way too long. So it was like, it was like watching the guy at the karaoke bar learn on the fly that Hey Jude was a terrible, terrible pick. Yep. And he has to just keep singing na 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 for like <laughs> ever. <laughs> he just totally given up by the end. Yeah. It was rough. All right. So now Girl in Yellow points out that wait a minute, Jesus is omnipotent and all-knowing, and he loves me, but my life still sucks most of the time. That doesn't seem right. Yep. And don't worry, Salty answers none of their questions and is just like, the Bible. Yep. Yeah, the kids are like, yeah, but hold on, it doesn't make sense why I would suffer so much if God was all-knowing and all... Hold on a second, wait, wait, and he's like, the Bible is an instruction book that tells you how to live. Yeah, and the the kids try to help him out, so they're like, Oh, so you're saying the the Bible can help me love my sister even when I'm mad at her? And he's like, I can knock you down for a couple of days, and if you get up, you're fine. It's okay. (laughs) Warning, this podcast is basically one big profanity. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, Stamps.com, and by the new Crucifix Shape Suppository for Christian Migraines, the Anal Jesus Anal Jesus. Ain't no Jesus, ain't no Jesus, because 448 episodes in, you have to start grasping for shit. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, my name is Gavin, and in case it isn't obvious, I'm Australian. Now, we may have snakes, sharks, spiders, box jellyfish, and crocodiles, but thank fuck we don't have any species as dangerous as an American evangelical. However, I have visited America and seen such primitive life forms in their natural habitat. So, I can assure you, we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey people. September 16th, and I suck at taking vacations. I'm No Illusions, and from Redtown Blue State and the past, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, the past and the present will smash together like some kind of temporal orgy. We'll bring up stuff in the headlines that you almost forgot you were pissed about, and Lucinda's quest for a pet dinosaur will come up wanting yet again. But first, the diatribe. You're going undercover as a Christian. You have no time to prepare. You're about to walk into a big church meeting or 
prayer group or whatever Christians congregate at. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to make conversation with this group of people for an entire evening and be welcomed into their fold. You know nothing about them except that they're Christian, they're white, and they're American. So my question for you is, what do you talk about? I mean, obviously you can nod along to a certain degree, but when it's your turn to bring up a subject, what subject do you bring up? What subject do you avoid? What political opinions do you pretend to have? And what do any of those things have to do with Christianity? See, I, I want to guess that the first things that popped into your mind for your undercover alter ego were things like criminalizing abortion, loving guns, pulling on bootstraps, and hating immigrants. In other words, you'd bring up shit that Jesus never talked about and avoid all the stuff he did talk about. I mean, look, I'm hardly the first person to point out the disparity between the Christian rights agenda and the teachings of Jesus. There's no doubt that the Jesus character, given the choice, would vote for the Democrat. But it's the kind of thing we have to bring up over and over again, especially as we cede ever more political autonomy to this ill-defined, ever-shifting concept of sincerely held religious beliefs. Because if these beliefs aren't grounded in your scripture, and they're not grounded in your history, and they're not grounded in your traditions, where the hell are the limits? I mean, look, of course, there's some shred of defense for most of their positions. But then again, there's a shred of defense for basically everything if your source is the Bible. I can justify rape, slavery, and genocide if I'm using the Bible, and I'd hardly be the first to do so in any of those cases. But these tenuous connections, rather than serving to justify their legal exemptions, just highlight the importance of abolishing them. When Holy Scripture comes into conflict with the law, it's not the fucking law that should bend. But even if you're not inclined to see it that way, which unfortunately is true of the majority of Americans, the overwhelming majority of Congress, and I think all of the fucking Supreme Court at this point, you have to see the cliff that we're barreling towards. This whole concept of exempting people from laws over sincerely held beliefs grows out of a Christian opposition to gay existence. Sorry, I know we're supposed to say it's opposition to gay marriage or whatever the most recent line in the sand is, but I'm inclined towards honesty in this instance. So, yeah, it's just common knowledge at this point that hating LGBTQ people is a sincerely held religious belief. But it gets less ink in the Bible than the prohibition against eating fucking shellfish. Regardless, that was the initial justification. And on that one, you can say, hey, at least their belief is grounded in their book. Okay, what about abortion? Right? There's nothing in the Bible in opposition to that. The Bible specifically says that the soul enters the body on its first breath and actually prescribes a magical abortion spell in Leviticus and tells you when you're biblically obligated to use it. And, and those same apologists scratch their heads on this one a bit, but eventually they fall onto a justification from tradition. After all, Christians have vocally opposed abortion for half a century, even more if you're Catholic. Plus, you can bend a few of their moral precepts and redefine what constitutes a living being a little bit, and suddenly the Bible's a little less clear on the issue. And look, we don't actually have to delve further into this example. I'm, I'm going to, but let's be clear at this point that we've already crossed over into insanity. If the only thing we need to justify an exemption to law is the fact that the Bible isn't super clear on it when we use atypical definitions, we've already given up on the whole concept of equality. And that's where we already are, but it gets even worse. Consider that they're now deploying the very same arguments against vaccination. That has no biblical justification, no history in the teachings of the church, no long tradition of political activism. It's just a case of we don't want to and we're Christian at the same time. The difference between the political and religious belief of the evangelical is simply semantic at this point. Everything they want an exemption to immediately falls under the umbrella of sincerely held religious belief, because why the fuck wouldn't it? 
These justifications, as nonsensical as they are, already exempt them from taking pictures at gay weddings, filling trans people's prescriptions, and providing comprehensive health care to their employees. You know, protecting their right to side with a virus over humanity only differs in scale and scope. They've sincerely believed in harming others for the sake of their religiously inspired prejudices for centuries. I mean, sorry to depress you like this two weeks in a row, but it's not just the wall between church and state that's crumbling. We're also losing the wall between religion and politics. It's not the same thing. The former is the part where we like make make special laws that make all the non-Christians lesser citizens and then give their tax dollars to the church. The latter is the part where we just wrap the name Christianity around the platform of whichever party has the most Christians at the moment. And I can't honestly say which is more dangerous to lose, but losing them together is a worst-case scenario. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is the past, again. We're all still on vacation at the moment, but there are plenty more unused headlines from a couple months ago, which we'll join already in progress. And in blasphemy, blast for you, blast for everybody news. You get a blast, and you get a blast. (laughs) I long to return to Scotland for so many reasons. I want to marvel again at Edinburgh's beauty. I want to browse the... Racist statue shops of Glasgow. <laughs> I, want to, gorgeous. I want to once again explain to a live audience that Heath did not just say a racial slur nope. and that okay. corner shops in upstate New York are called packing stores. But mostly, I want to go back because as of this week, everything I have to say about religion in Scotland is legal again. Yes, in a story that dates back to a simpler time when the idea of Donald Trump being president was still funny, we are happy to say that Scotland has finally gotten rid of its centuries-old blasphemy law as part of a larger hate crimes bill that had its final vote this week in Parliament. Yeah, I mean, this is good, but I kind of like the thrill of breaking the law. (laughs) Yeah. Now, to be fair to England's Cleveland... Okay, all right, now that's blasphemy. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has been prosecuted under their blasphemy law since 1843, but having them on the books was still a pretty bad look, considering... How much God there is in it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. I've, I've never been a big fan of the, yeah, but it's not like we're enforcing the law that makes your existence illegal defense, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One other thing, a tremendous amount of thanks goes out to the Humanist Society of Scotland and Humanist International, who have been working tirelessly on this for five years now. Excellent work, all of them, one down, and 13 countries that still punish apostasy or blasphemy with the death penalty left to go. So, Seriously, 13? Yep. 13. So, gentlemen, to celebrate, do you have any particularly Scottish blasphemy you'd like to put out there? Oh, uh, yeah. So, Timothy Dalton was the best James Bond. <laughs> Bar none. Uh, the body of Christ tastes like iron brew, which definitely would have put me in jail two weeks ago. <laughs> okay, and you know what? Honestly, after that Cleveland remark, I feel like the Scottish have had enough. I'm not <laughs> And then missed his cue news tonight. Anybody who thought that <laughs> thank you. Anybody who thought that Trump losing the election was going to lead to Christians realizing they were wrong when they prophesied his victory obviously hadn't seen what a bang up job they've been doing ignoring the fact that there's no god. And while the stories about Christian leaders insisting that Trump actually is president or will be any second have become a little less frequent on this show over the last four months, that's because we're avoiding repetition, not because they're figuring it out. <laughs> they're still doing that. Yep. Yeah. So 
As a quick reminder that they're still not over this shit, I brought not one but three Christians still trying to come to grips with it this week. <laughs> this is so delightful. It's just a bunch of Christians yelling at God, all angry, being like, I was told we were promised in our contract, in our contract of law, that the United States was in capital letters. This is maritime law. It's serious. It's the law. <laughs> Just tearfully presenting God with an expired coupon for one theocracy. <laughs> they said that. You're going to have to go to the uh, the department of coupons. That's it's not here. It's a really long line over there. All right, so we're going to start with Pastor Johnny Enlow, who looks like a grown-ass man that still expects people to call him Johnny, despite being neither a time-traveling greaser nor a robot granted sentience by a lightning strike. Crane kick's not even legal. <laughs> so, he's certain that not only did Trump win the election, but, quote, he won over 70% of the vote and 49 of the 50 states, end quote. I want to know which one he thinks he lost. <laughs> right, yeah, he didn't, I didn't look that deeply into it. And while Trump might not look like the president, what with him being not the president, Enlo mm -hmm. ensures us that in heaven, Trump is the president. Cool. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> sure, yeah, exactly. In the imaginary land. And despite being the least influential president in all of American history two months out from his departure, and yes, I'm counting all the died in office ones when I say that. <laughs> Enslow is pretty sure that Trump's still pulling the strings from behind the scenes. Yeah, here's the thing, though. It turns out the population of heaven didn't get any electoral votes. This is weird. Oh. Huh? It's just a formula. It's yeah. crazy. Did you hear that, though, Donnie? You're the president in heaven, so why don't you, uh, you know, scoot up there and take your office, <laughs> big guy. <laughs> they have a Diet Coke button up there. <laughs> no, they don't. Huh? All right, so... <laughs> shh, shh. <laughs> He's a listener. <laughs> so televangelist Robin Bullock is a bit more realistic in his assessment. And he's a guy that blamed the pandemic on people who voted for Hillary Clinton and claimed that President Joe Biden doesn't exist. Yeah, I have a towel wrapped around my eyes. That, see, yeah, exactly. So. And he's a little more realistic. So Bullock insists that Trump is still president, but Christians need to wish him back into the Oval Office a la Tinkerbell's recovery. Quote, <laughs> no matter what happens, Donald J. Trump is the president, and he's supposed to walk back in that office. So call him back. Call him back. Call him Should back. Should we call him back? <laughs> Once he knows that the prophets are calling, he'll come, end quote. And I'm sure if nothing else, it's a relief to Stormy Daniels to know that other people were even more desperate for that motherfucker to come already than she was. So. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you listening who can't believe anybody is falling for this, let me remind you that this is the church that supported itself on Jesus will be back in our lifetime for just <laughs> yeah, over 2,000 right. years now. That's the one. Exactly. Yeah. But not every batshit crazy Christian prophet has to lie to themselves about whether Trump lost the election. Some just lie to themselves about why. Take self-anointed prophetess Amanda Grace, who was recently interviewed on sapient pimple Steve Schultz's YouTube channel, where she explained that Trump did lose, but mostly it was because God wanted more alone time with him. <laughs> what? Yeah, when, when asked why he was hiding in Mar-a-Lago like a skittish cur, she explained, quote, Trump is, in a way, being afforded the private time to deal with this with the Lord. And for the Lord to really reveal himself to President Trump, where he's not being, in a way, perhaps so distracted and pulled in a million directions, end quote. Okay, now God can finally get penciled in for an appointment <laughs> yeah, right. with yeah. Donald Trump. 
Really? You got to go through Jared. Yeah, right. No, all that executive <laughs> time. That was busy time. So, yeah, Jared. there you have it. Trump wanted to go to his room anyway. It's not even really a punishment, if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and in Omerta news. Fantastic. Alabama <laughs> wants to make a code of Hindu silence for kids doing yoga because they hate freedom. They hate yep. freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. They hate freedom. They hate freedom of religion. So after years of debating the exact amount of Hindu evil contained in stretching and breathing, Alabama lawmakers have agreed to allow yoga in public school gym class. But it has to be white yoga. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> A new bill just passed in the Alabama House. 73 to 25 was the vote. That bill does allow yoga. But you can't say any words that are not English. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, this policy is about to make Spanish class easy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, you just start savasning during the quiz. And <laughs> oh, damn, fine, fill out this page from a workbook. Damn you, Billy! <laughs> yeah, so I can't stress this enough. This is real. This is really, I'm not exaggerating anything. This is really what happened. The people in charge of government in the state of Alabama think that yoga might contain evil magic words. I believe you, Ethan, right? I believe <laughs> And they think that Christianity <laughs> might get persecuted by those magic words. The bill says, quote, all poses, exercises, and stretching techniques shall have exclusively English descriptive names. What? How- Chanting, <laughs> mantras, mudras, <laughs> use of mandalas, and namaste greetings shall be expressly prohibited. Okay. End quote. I would give all the money I have and more to hear any of these Alabama lawmakers define a mudra. (laughs) (laughs) Also, quick side note, Alabama is one of many idiot red states that have recently tried to make laws about allowing specifically Christian stuff in science class. Yep. And, of course, they tried similar things about praying in school and the the pledge and all that shit. So maybe the new yoga bill is going to set a precedent and... Science class will be conducted in, like, scientific Latin only. (laughs) Just entirely in spoken binary. Right. I don't know, something. Well, that's what they're doing with computer class, yeah. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. So, okay, potentially controversial opinion here, but yoga absolutely shouldn't be in fucking schools. Okay, a lot of bullshit spiritual practices sneak into schools under the guise of yoga. Yoga is a spiritual practice, not a fucking exercise routine. What's more, even the stretching parts aren't universally healthy. Yoga instructors generally encourage people to hold stretchers longer than it's healthy to hold them, and some of the really common poses have zero health benefit and can be actually really dangerous, like moves like the plow and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Plus, phys ed teachers are already doing stretching, so there is literally no reason for yoga in schools except to sneak bullshit spiritual practices into said school. That said... The solution isn't okay, but only if you culturally appropriate it more. The solution is to keep religion out of fucking schools. Yeah, if you want to indoctrinate kids, just tell them parachute day is only for the kids who love, you know, Brahma. You'll get 100% (laughs) conversion rate, motherfucker. (laughs) Okay, so here's what I'm hoping for. Parachute day. And if we have any listeners in Alabama with kids in public school, you can be our field operatives on this. You can report okay, back to Okay, so Heath can say that, but when nope, I do... You can't. Well, nope. it's different. We might say different things next is the difference. Okay. That's the big So, I want to hear about kids in gym class doing everything they can to terrify 
the evangelical gym teachers who are going to be enforcing this rule if it becomes a law. Because they're already terrified, obviously. I mean, maybe start slow instead of like Om as the mantra, just chant like secular focus, secular focus, <laughs> atheist focus. But then ramp it up a little. And here's the secret. Hindu magic still works exactly as well if you do it silently. That's just a true fact. <laughs> so yep. do your yoga and then right at the end of class, just stare at your teacher and start evil villain laughing like you just finished a magic spell on them. Let us know how it goes. I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> We're going to get to see a gym teacher tackle a kid out of Downward Dog because <laughs> of the spell they think is happening. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. And since we want to see children tackled, this is exactly the kind of segues our advertisers have come to expect from us. We're going to pause right there for a word from this week's first sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hey there, Karen from HR. Why the long face? Oh, you know, folks just don't want to work no more. I really don't think that's what it is. Oh, yeah? Well, I've already offered up Pizza Party Fridays and Wacky Hat Wednesdays, and we still can't fill all these positions. I'm pretty sure there's nothing left to do but close up shop and explain the problem to our customers with passive-aggressive notes attacking the employees we don't have for being too lazy to work for us. Uh, so look, right now, gyms, nail salons, hotels, mom-and-pop shops, and restaurants are going on an epic hiring spree. So sure, it's going to be harder than normal to fill vacancies, but why not just try ZipRecruiter? Right now, you can even try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. What's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job to over a 100 top job sites, giving you access to their network of millions of job seekers. Then, ZipRecruiter's matching technology scans resumes to find qualified candidates for your open roles and proactively presents them to you. Their technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Wow. That does sound better than glaring at people at job fairs. It sure is. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I can't help but notice you ain't wearing a wacky hat. Oh, I, I left it at my hat shelf. Liar. Yep. And we're back. And in porn again news tonight, the treasurer of the St. Paul Lutheran Church in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, was arrested this week after spending more than four years trying to start a fire with his penis, all the while using church funds as tinder. Uh, that's a what? Mas it's a masturbation <laughs> reference in case that wasn't. And by tinder, okay, got it. I, I, got I, mean, it. I mean like the dry flammable material used to light a fire, <laughs> not not the app. Yeah. Uh, side note, if you're into sexual fire hazards, Check out Ben Shapiro's dating app, Tinderbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fun, fun place to go. Anyway, Noah, you were talking about penis fires, I think. Well, you know what? Let's not, let's not segue back to that. That whole sentence completely got away from me. But we, like, once I typed out <laughs> trying to start a fire with his penis, I'm physically incapable of deleting that. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so, but what I'm trying to say is the dude stole 150 grand from his church to pay for porn. <laughs> How much? That's so much money. It's Was he yeah. trying to get his name on the wall somewhere with a restaurant <laughs> challenge? What the fuck? Is Goop offering solid gold yeah, porn yeah. now? It's gold plated. It's gold plated. I mean, everything is porn if you jerk off to it, Heath. They have to let you. They, <laughs> they have don't. To. They really don't. So, so yeah, Glenn E. Yathers was arrested this week on multiple charges of theft. He, he apparently had been serving as a treasurer for the church for half a dozen years or so before he thought to himself, 
It's strange that I'm not whacking off with some of this money. So starting in 2015, he allegedly started reappropriating some of the money to his porn habit, which was running at this point in excess of 30 grand a year. What the fuck is happening? Dude, buy some cocaine, go limp for a year and save some money. <laughs> yeah, it's no a way shit. better habit. No I mean, shit. Look, I am the fan they're talking about in OnlyFans, but even even to me, 30K seems like a lot. Right. I don't know how one physically spends that much. Right. It's insane. Yeah. So, okay. So after a few years of this, a couple of members of the church council approached him about all the past due notices and whatnot. And after a few hand wavy excuses, they got the cops involved. Now, at first he admitted that he had reappropriated the money, but he said he was still using it to help out needy people in keeping with the church's mission. But then the cops asked if he was helping those needy people by paying them to put things into their assholes on free to flirt.com. And he was like, yeah, you guys saw through my ruse. <laughs> Stop. Listen, it has to be a Rolex. If they put like a Casio in there, it's not the same. Seiko, <laughs> Swatch, no. Fuck you. It has to be Rolex. Officer, you don't understand. There are single moms near me, and I am this close to finding them. <laughs> they want to fuck. They do. <laughs> now, I, the, the good news is that that money was originally intended to pay for Catholic church shit, right? So, like, paying online sex workers is probably the least immoral thing that money donated to a Catholic church ever paid for in By all of yeah, that's right? good to say neighborly. <laughs> but that, that being said, it's still illegal, not to mention hypocritical yeah. from a motherfucker that belongs to an anti-porn, anti-sex worker church. Right. But if you'd like to give your money to a business that we can guarantee will give back to the porn community, <laughs> you can sign up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a show. You, support you can also a get a year worker. membership for 30 grand if you yeah. want. We'll a second. <gasps> oh, I'm putting that on our Patreon just so someone does it. $30,000. <laughs> oh, does not like that number. No. All right. Next up in headlines. Former GOP congresswoman and ongoing all-the-time pop scare Michelle Bachman <laughs> That's fantastic. took some time away from crawling out of TV screens to host the <laughs> Election Integrity Conference that took place this week. Apparently, this was a follow-up to Bachman's election night appearance on Kenneth Copeland's Victory Channel when she told everyone that God has sealed this election in the heavenlies. Huh. So, so this was... Wait, 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 let me explain the conference. <laughs> yep, pretty and much. The general theme was the Christian right discussing more effective means of voter suppression, especially of Satan, the G the globalists, and <laughs> the... The God would have won if they hadn't cheated the conference. That's the yep. best. They, the best that they can manage now is like the Holy Ghost was in his eyes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> really? Okay. Does Joe Biden have a chariot of iron? He does. <laughs> See, there's your problem. That is tricky for our Can we get here. gutter guards in the next election? <laughs> sure, man. Sure. Whatever you want. So in the lead up to the conference, Bachman explained that she chose the list of speakers very carefully and, quote, didn't want any fringe people, what? people that would be considered nuts. I uninvited myself. <laughs> that, that, that was her promotional message. My conference is not crazy. That was a promotional <laughs> message. Okay. And she described the docket as, quote, A-list speakers. And that included Eric Metaxas. Yes. Jay Ashcroft. Yes. The John Ashcroft. 
son, whose dad you might have heard of, <laughs> and Ben Carson, an A-list expert in the brain surgery component of election. Yeah, sure. And the rest of the list was people you can't find on the internet until Mike Lindell sets up vocal.biz or whatever he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record... They could not get Mike Lindell. No. No. Well, so I'm pretty sure that pretty much all venues require a $1.3 billion deposit to have Lindell at this point. <laughs> yeah. I get, we have the same insurance policy for live shows where I wear a costume. Yeah, exactly. So I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So after a few hours of, okay, did you guys pray super hard in November? Did you guys pray super hard? Okay, fuck. We all prayed super hard. We all did the magic. Fuck. Anyway, from there, a <laughs> whole bunch of that. Then they moved on to stopping HR1. This is the extra tragic part. And that, if you don't know what HR1 is, it's the hugely important bill that passed in the House, which would prevent a whole bunch of voter suppression. Yeah. And that's anti-Christian persecution. Yep. Yeah, sure the fuck is. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it is. We're going to persecute them right into equality. All that being said, I think Michelle Bachman deserves a bit of credit. As far as I can tell, the conference did not include a giant golden calf. Oh. That was good. <laughs> no significant raining of sulfur. Okay. Nobody accidentally stood their ground on Ben Carson. I'm genuinely impressed by that. <laughs> and the stage was not a literal genocide ruin. Oh, and there they you go. For the Christian right of 2021. So chalk it up. Good I'm job. The upswing. And in Don't Mask, Don't Tell news tonight. Thank That's you. really good. That's of fantastic. all the parts of our global pandemic, religion is ruined. It turns out that the one that pisses me off is the end. Because they're still out there killing motherfuckers with their stupid, even as we stand on the cusp of relative normalcy. In fact, many of them are acting like they've got a body count quota and they're running out of time to fill it. Case in point, the Canyon Ferry Road Baptist Church in East Helena, Montana, which is apparently recruiting a militia to end mask requirements. A militia. And while they're all dressed up and everything anyway, to end the, quote, communist occupation of the country. What? Mm, yeah, no, I remember that from the Communist Manifesto. Step one, basic human decency. Oh, yeah, right. right. Yeah, 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 that was totally in the manifesto that they all read. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's why Red Dawn slowed way down for Act Two. Is there's all those OSHA regulations. Yeah, really yeah boring exactly. Right. That movie. It all so up. much hand washing. <laughs> So apparently the, the church is associated with a Texas-based group with the perfectly redneckian moniker Tactical Civics. Fuck <laughs> you. That's not absolute. That, that terrorism. The word yeah, that right. is terrorism. Yes, exactly. They already have a term. But yeah. No, they describe the problem thusly. Quote, this republic of sovereign states founded in the name of Jesus Christ and blessed for centuries. Okay, I got to stop you. I'm sorry, Noah. That is just such an impressive amount of wrong for half a century. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have. They might as well take a derivative wrong in the middle of the clause. What? Anyway, all, all of that bullshit is now under communist occupation by D.C., Beijing, and many state palaces. I, they didn't. What? They didn't want to leave any conspiracies out here. Continuing quote. Couldn't agree. <laughs> this is not an exhaustive list of where the conspiracies are. <laughs> yeah, of exactly. all, palaces. all foreign governments and perpetuity throughout the universe. All right. So continuing the massive fraud of the 2020 election, combined with the criminal COVID-19 hoax, were the work of criminals in. Man, you want to talk about not being able to decide. The deep state, DNC, communist county machines and governors, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, mm. communist China, Google, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, ABC, CBS. 
Oh, really? You're just naming the channels yeah. now, guys. We know you're naming the channels. Fox now. is in on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fox. No, Fox and Black Lives Matter. Same thing, basically. Yep. All of those guys destroying our economy and keeping Americans in concentration camps with no communication between us. End quote. Oh, they compared themselves to concentration camps. Now they only get to make movies with Ben Shapiro. <laughs> also, it sounds like they're cool with concentration camps. As long as we give them walkie-talkies. You heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool right. for them. Uh -huh. Well, and they're also they're good with concentration camps that don't have Americans in them, and that one's not a new revelation. Now, their solution to the problem is as obvious as it is simple. They're going to deputize random white people to enforce the laws that they think are being broken, right? Because who better to enforce laws than people who think they can be negated with all caps? Anyway, <laughs> there's not much more to report at the moment since the church took down their website at the first whiff of national attention. But I'm sure we'll have an update when these tax-exempted wackaloons kill some fucking body. Mm, refreshing. Check on Spotify. See if yeah. they have yeah, Right. Yeah. They might still be there. Their crime's there. And in Voice from the Deep, bing up with the Kardashians news. <laughs> Terrible. Christian podcast host, <laughs> Absolutely terrible. YouTuber, and person so crazy, it is amazing to me that she can work a microphone. Sheila Zielinski did it again this week and enlightened us into her new theory about the Kardashians' popularity. And spoiler alert, it's Illuminati black magic. I'm, look, until science presents a plausible theory, I don't know that we can rule anything out. So I, don't, I, I reserve judgment. I'm on board with that for now. <laughs> so the video begins with Sheila, like many of us, wondering how the hell the Kardashians got so popular. There was a sex tape. Caitlyn Jenner hit someone with her car. And then one of them was a billionaire. I don't get it. But Sheila has the answer. And it's an infomercial that Kris Jenner did for magic-scented candles created by psychic healer Linda Salvin back in the day. So, we watched the entire infomercial without commentary in this YouTube video slash podcast, and can I just say it's weird to watch something Sheila Zielinski put together and think, you know, you got a point, Sheila. Candles that claim to cure your cancer are pretty evil, but luckily that's not her point. Oh, okay. Her point is that the candles worked for the Jenners. Worked? She follows this up with a series of pictures of the Kardashians holding, owning, or just generally being near rocks that people <laughs> pretend are magic. Just, just Kanye locked in a bathroom in their mansion somewhere, panic whispering into his phone. Sheila, Sheila, they're firebending again. They're <laughs> <laughs> earthbending too. Bring, bring adult shoes. <laughs> Literally. But don't worry, it gets way dumber. Her next piece of evidence, Kris Jenner said on Twitter... I need these socks that say which please on them. Why? Because she's a manipulator of dark forces thanks to the blood plaque she made with Satan and she needs novelty socks to represent that. Well, wait, no, witches have witch socks, Eli. It's not complicated, okay? I guess so, yeah. And you know what else? You know what else? The YouTube video goes on to say sometimes they wear stuff with pictures of butterflies. Why? Uh, I feel like Al Roker is going to have something to do with it. This has all the earmarks of an <laughs> Al Roker thing. Is that what it is? Yes. They are part of the MK Ultra subdivision program that turns women into sex slaves and has and also was, been that was used, used on, on Al, Al Roker. <laughs> yes. Got it. Wait. Wait, did she just accuse Al Roker of being a sex slave or a butterfly? I, don't know. I, I yes. cannot emphasize this enough. 
It is unclear. <laughs> it is very unclear. I hope it's both. So then she spends some time on their Halloween decorations. She mentions that they get what's known as a vampire facial, which is, I, I guess, a real thing. It's a facial you get with human blood. What? That's yeah. not, that is not a real, that's a real it thing. It is absolutely a real thing. And, and hey. Where do they get human blood for, what? Humans. Mm-hmm. And hey, credit where credit's due to Sheila Zelensky. Satan magic isn't real, but it's fucking hard to prove that when people are out there getting blood facials. Yeah, okay. no, right, right. Well, the fucking the Illuminati accusations keep getting bumped down the weirdest thing about this story list <laughs> as we go. <laughs> one last thing. At one point in the video, she's talking about, you know, Illuminati eyes, MK Ultra, whatever, and she says, quote, and oh, how they love their black men, don't they? That could be a whole nother video, what? end quote. And then she goes right back to look at how her dress is shaped like a triangle. <laughs> she never acknowledges that sentence again in the podcast. So, yeah, it's obvious that Sheila has blown this thing wide open. And just as soon as I report back on her three-part video series about how Al Roker is a brainwashed to be a sex slave butterfly <laughs> or get a turn to fuck Al Roker, I <laughs> will let you podcast listener now. Okay. Does she think... The weatherman controls the weather? Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. That's what's happening here, Unclear. Right? All right, well, I can't be the only one who needs a minute with that mental image of Eli fucking Al Roker, so we're going to pause for a word from our other sponsor this week, Stamps.com. Hey, podcast listener. Lucinda cutting in to tell you about our second sponsor this week, Stamps.com. And I'm pretty qualified to tell you about it because before we started the podcast, a big part of my job was mailing out products. I'd estimate that I spent something like 15% of my life at the post office between 2007 and 2013. It was such a hassle. Finding parking, waiting in line, going back and finding out your car has been towed because you were eight seconds over the maximum parking time. True story. But now I do it all with ease using Stamps.com. See, I still mail out products on a regular basis, but when we send out Patreon rewards, I do it all for my desk. And that's because Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small business sending out invoices, a podcast sending out signed books and bingo cards, or just navigating this hybrid work life. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over one million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and shipping. It's so easy to use. Just wait for Eli to send over the info, then text him and remind him that you're still waiting, then text Anna and tell her to tell him to check his text, then call Eli and remind him that Anna told him to check his text. After that, you can simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or drop it off. It's that simple. Plus, it saves you money. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off postage rates and up to 66% off UPS shipping rates. Not to mention that Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead. There's no risk, and with our promo code SKATING, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in SCATHING. That's Stamps.com, promo code SCATHING. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Next up in headlines. Despite the conventional wisdom, bigotry definitely has a place in our society. Let me finish. Um, <laughs> let me finish. Stay with me. Don't stop the podcast. Let me continue. Bigotry toward bigots is exactly the type of thing we need more of. And this very simple concept was mentioned recently by Hamal Javeri in her article for USA Today about the Oral Roberts University basketball team. 
who got some attention during their run in the NCAA tournament last week. For anyone who's not familiar, Oral Roberts is an evangelical Christian school that has a whole bunch of horrible policies, including a strict ban against any same-sex relationship. And Javeri's article explained that the NCAA doesn't have to keep letting the bigots play in their thing. Right. Very simple. Right, yeah. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job, Heath, but if you're ever at a loss for a way to start an article that doesn't cold open on the bigotry defense, I'm I, I'm happy to help. <laughs> yeah, I like to say, you know, that's you a go. fun one. Yeah, you, you know, because they do. And then I, yeah, you can just every, everything comes out. Chummy, people like it. <laughs> so, Oral Roberts made headlines when God helped them get two unlikely wins in the tournament, mm-hmm. and. Then they lost to God's preferred team, I guess, Arkansas. (laughs) And then Arkansas lost. And so did Liberty and Abilene Christian. God's not the best with brackets. (laughs) Regardless, Oral Roberts was able to get their name in the national news and probably use that to get more donations. And that was made possible by two things. First of all, they get free labor from student athletes that's worth Way more than the education at definitely Oral Roberts. Yeah. Uh, That's a whole other problem. But also, ORU is being gifted a giant valuable platform by the NCAA, even though the school's bigot rules are in direct violation of the NCAA's very own stated values about LGBTQ inclusion. Right. Right, like, isn't it enough that we let them use the fucking you? <laughs> That's a gift. Yeah. And oral. Those words are sacred, people. <laughs> So, in response to the article, Fox News decided to do a segment about it with their in-house persecution analyst, (laughs) Pastor Robert Jeffress. Mm. Yeah! You might remember Jeffress from saying a homophobic slur on national television about once a week for the last decade. (laughs) And from Elfin Cuckporn. Thank you! That's what drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) He's also in a lot of that. So, here's what Jeffress had to say. Quote, It proves the adage that those who cry loudest for tolerance are the most intolerant people when it comes to ideas they disagree with. (laughs) Is that an adage? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's time for this irrational intolerance of people of faith by the left. It's time for that to end, and it needs to end now. End quote. Ah, yes, the old adage that we've all heard and used all the time. No, you're a bigot. You are. <laughs> you. Yep. They did a you are segment with their expert analyst. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure Robert Jeffress is, uh, he's demanding an end to bigotry, bigotry. Yep. Yes, he is. And, um, no, no. <laughs> you know why no? Because that's bigotry, bigotry, bigotry. Right. And that's Ooh. bigotry. Also, the NCAA can go fuck itself, especially after the women's weight room was a goddamn pile of loose nickels in a bag or whatever they gave you. Right, yeah. Fuck you. But, but yeah, but Jeffress, by your own rules, you now have a moral obligation to be more tolerant of our intolerance of their intolerance. Either way, you've got nothing to bitch about. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the age old adage. Fuck Robert Jeffress. You guys know that one? Yeah, Uh, yeah, that one. Yep. And in King of Pop of Kings news, in the year 2021, society has to sit back and ask itself some tough questions. How can we fight back against the violence towards vulnerable communities? How did we get here with COVID? And how do we make sure we don't end up here again? Is Michael Jackson in heaven or hell? 
Well, this week we got an answer to one of those questions, thanks to Christian prophet Manuel Johnson of Mega Praise Ministries, and the good news is that God apparently cares as much about kid fucking as his servants down on Earth do. Huh. Well, it's okay, I know, I, I, I get that you're trying to set up a joke and everything, but to be clear, the answer to your questions is fewer Republicans, fewer Republicans, and no. <laughs> and now quit sitting back and get back to work. That's fair. Also, That's fair. Mega Praise Ministries. Yeah. Your name? Mm-hmm. It was like a super praise, and they were like, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Mega Praise. Sam, you got to buy a membership to praise in there. Fucking Ultra Praise Ministries. Goddamn. <laughs> infinity times Infinity Ministries. Fuck. <laughs> so, while appearing on Steve Schultz's YouTube program last week, Mr. Johnson had this to say about his inside scoop on Michael Jackson's post-life status. Quote, God has given me an assignment as an attorney, and he took me to heaven. He says, take your position. And there was an office in heaven with my name on it as an attorney to intercede for very well-known people on earth before they died. I had a placard. God gave me the little placard thing. I got a little thing, yeah. Because something was going to happen, and they were going to be weighed out in the balance. And I needed to intercede. I'm going to tell you something. Michael Jackson went to heaven. Before he died, God had visited him. There were prayers that went up for him that people would intercede. And Michael Jackson accepted the Lord Jesus as his savior. Yeah, no, I, I guess I get how the omnipotent guy needed your help. So, and, and also heaven is all about some child rapists these days. So sure. Yeah. I get <laughs> yeah it. And they hired a public defender for that group of people. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of technicalities. They need, they need to be represented to be fair. Okay. Really? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Before you guys think that this was some easy case, he added, quote, the enemy wanted him. Oh boy. The enemy wanted him and the enemy had set up witches. To try to take him. What? And then these witches and warlocks made these crazy YouTubes that he was in hell. <laughs> made these YouTubes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like a demonic crazy. warlock doing an ASMR 2 crime makeup tutorial about Michael Jackson's afterlife trial. He's like, see? <laughs> see, this is what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to wait for the opening arguments about this. I, I want to hear Andrew represent the argument for Satan's DA before I decide <laughs> if a pedophile belongs in heaven or hell. <laughs> he concludes, this is not true, saints. This is false. I have broken clock twice a day. Michael Jackson <laughs> is in heaven. <laughs> Same clock a minute later. Yeah. <laughs> right after. And you know what he does? He dances and he sings for the Lord. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. He's the jester. Michael yep. Jackson is the court jester for God in heaven. Okay, I just want to be clear about what's being said there. Yep, yep. Go ahead. Come on, that's a pretty fun heaven. You get up there and God's like, you want him to dance for you? <laughs> do that moonwalk thing. Do that moonwalk. Uh, I always have to do the moonwalk. He continued, I had a small trance. God put me in a trance. And I had a chance to see Michael's last year during the time of epidemic and sickness. And God allowed Michael to dance. He says, tell the people on earth, this is Michael. Tell the people on earth to dance before the Lord, to celebrate. Good things are coming to celebrate. Good things are coming. And he's dancing and he's singing. He's a songwriter in heaven. Glory to God. Gary uh, almost slipped in to celebrate good times there. And he was like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no stop, stop, stop it. Back out, back out, quick. Can I do the free wheelie theme? No? Okay. <laughs> 
and then dipping your phalanges in the Ganges news tonight. Fantastic. <laughs> you found a rhyme for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the only one. Shoulder to shoulder, masses of people all bathing in the same river was already a public health nightmare before there was a pandemic. But that hasn't stopped Hindus in India from gathering by the tens of thousands at a time to celebrate the Kumbh Mela, a sacred pilgrimage that begins in the northern city of Haridwar and ends on the fucking ICU on a respirator. Because this is all going on despite the fact that India leads the world in new COVID-19 cases and has fully vaccinated less than one and a half percent of its population. Yeah, I mean, who knew there were so many devout Hindus in Michigan? Am I right? That's mm. crazy. Well, as long as there's not a large, dense population in that area, yeah, I think right. it's fine, right? Yeah. yeah. Plus, they have plenty of ventilators in India. Uh-huh. So, Yeah, so it, to really understand the magnitude of this problem, you have to understand the magnitude of this celebration. Okay, I've seen them described as the largest peaceful gatherings in world history. In the past, some of them have attracted upwards of 30 million people. And while this year's event hasn't seen anywhere near those numbers, the crowds were still distressingly enormous. And that would have been the case even if they weren't in a fucking warm river together. Mm -hmm. And it's worth emphasizing that this is a fucking pilgrimage. Any event with thousands, let alone tens of thousands of people gathering shoulder to shoulder would be dangerous as all hell. But it's all the worse in an instance where people are gathering from every small town in the fucking country to do it. Yeah, I can't think of a better strategy to spread a disease. That's like right. the perfect one. It's like Sturgis Bike Week, but without all the respect for science of American bikers. <laughs> yes. And and of course, as America has amply demonstrated throughout the past year, there's only so much you can do to stop religious idiots from gathering for their religious idiocy. Right? E- even basic common sense measures are impossible to enforce universally. But in India... The government isn't lifting a fucking finger to mitigate the issue. And that's because India's prime minister, Narendra Modi, is every bit as beholden to that country's religious zealots as Donald Trump was to ours. He's literally afraid that he'll face more dire political consequences by pissing off Hindu fundies than by continuing to let people die to the tune of 2,000 plus a day. And, most frightening of all, he's right. Yep, he is. All right, well, on that depressing moment from the past, that could just as easily be a moment from the present. We're going to close the headlines for the night. Pre-recorded Heath, pre-recorded Eli, thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, Lucinda will be here to wonder what that smell is. One of the unexpected benefits of reading the Bible, the Quran, and the Book of Mormon is a certain learned tolerance to the most malodorous of nonsense, and since we've already built up a tolerance, we figure we might as well use it with a quick edition of... How Bullshit Is Of course, Heath is in Europe at the moment, so guiding us on this trip down Lunacy Lane will be my lovely wife, Lucinda. Lucinda, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Noah. So tell us, which barrel of bullshit will we be digging into today? Uh, how about the one where you claim you're going on vacation? That's not really in keeping with the theme of the segment. Maybe something, do you have something like pseudoscience-y? Well, I figured since I was stepping in for this one, we'd go with my all-time favorite cryptid and the conspiracy theory I was most reluctant to give up when I became a skeptic, the Loch Ness Monster. Huh, really? Okay, it was actually the one about the brown note, but okay. Nessie was a close second. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so uh, what is the Loch Ness Monster? Does that count for the spreadsheet? Ooh, I don't know. I'll have to ask Andrew. Anyway, the Loch Ness Monster, or Nessie, is nothing. It doesn't exist. And we can say that about as definitively as we can say anything doesn't exist. 
Because unlike pretty much all of the other cryptids, the Loch Ness Monster must, by definition, be in this one lake. And it isn't. Okay. I think we've gotten a bit ahead of ourselves here, so let's back up a bit. When does the story of the Loch Ness Monster begin? Well, some say the story goes all the way back to the 6th century when the Irish monk St. Columba chronicled the claims of the local Picts. Okay, but that's fucking nonsense and those people are fucking lying. True. There have actually been several efforts to grasp an antiquity by presenting entirely normal stories from the area and pretending that they were about the plesiosaur. The St. Columba one is indeed a story about a sea monster near the River Ness, but pretty much all the stories about the saints had the odd sea monster in them. So either the world was just teeming with mythical sea creatures back in the 500s, or that one can easily be dismissed. There are a couple of other stories from the late 1800s that have been retrofitted onto the legend as well. One from 1871 that amounts to a guy saw a weird log and kept it to himself for 60 years, and another from 1888 that can be summed up as person sees animal. But the real story doesn't start until 1933 with the Aldi McKay sighting. Okay, uh, before we get to that, what's the point of disguising the true origin of the story? Well, the whole myth rests on the idea that a breeding population of plesiosaurs, or if you want to go all the way into crazy town, one immortal plesiosaur, (laughs) has lived in that lake for 66 million years. So either you retrofit some unrelated stories into it, or you admit that nobody noticed that shift until 1933. Okay, yeah, I get it. All right, so uh, you were saying something about the Aldi McKay sighting? Yeah, so to be clear, there was already an established myth by 1933 that suggested that there was a giant monster that lived in Loch Ness. But that's true of maybe one out of every four bodies of water on Earth. But the Aldi McKay sighting is the first time this story gets put down on ink. Specifically, the Ivernus Courier, where an article by one Alex Campbell kicks off the century-long delusion. In it, Campbell tells the story of Aldi McKay and her unnamed husband, who were driving by the lake on the night of April 15, 1933, when Aldi saw something fishy in the lake. According to a later recollection, she yelled, Stop! The beast! And then she and her husband watched Nessie roll around in the water for a full minute before sinking below the surface. Okay, so what, what did they describe? Not much. The article just says that its body was the size of a whale and then it left water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Huh. Usually cauldrons aren't employed for a simmer. Right? Oil. Yeah, I don't know. But Audi said she knew that, quoting directly from Campbell's article here, there was no ordinary denizen of the depths because apart from its enormous size, the beast, in taking the final plunge, sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer. Okay, how is that apart from its enormous size? No idea. Seems like a necessary consequence of that, right. right? Yeah, But regardless, that story was the spark that would ultimately set the world aflame with Nessie fever. There were a couple of more sightings that year. One from a couple that says that they saw Nessie crossing the road in front of their car. <laughs> really? Like they had to stop and wait like it was a school crossing, apparently. Oh, okay. And the other from a guy out walking his dog. That guy, Hugh Gray, is the first to snap Nessie's photo, which, if you think about it, is crazy weird. It, th- this is 1933. It's not like he had a camera on his phone or anything. Right. Anyway, the original negative of the photo was lost, and the picture is super blurry. But from what we know now, it was almost certainly a picture of an otter. Okay. Well, okay, but that's not the famous photo that everybody thinks of when they think of Nessie, right? 
Nope, that one, the surgeon's photograph, comes from a year later. It was first published in April 1934 in that bastion of journalistic credibility, the Daily Mail, and it was so steeped in legitimacy that the guy who took the picture didn't want his name associated with it. Yeah, that's a good start. Yeah. So if you've ever seen or read anything about the Loch Ness Monster, you've seen this photo. It shows a decidedly plesiosaur-shaped head and neck poking out of the water with huge waves flowing to either side of it like it was leaving a huge wake. Or at least that's what you usually see. But that's because the photo has been cropped. In the uncropped photo, you can see that it's actually tiny. It's estimated that the whole object is some two or three feet long and that those huge waves on either side of it are actually just normal-sized lake ripples. So what was it? Was it like a like a big swan or something? Even worse, it was a deliberate hoax. Apparently, some dude found some fake Nessie footprints and got made fun of for believing that they were real. So he concocted this whole photograph as revenge. This was all exposed way the hell back in 1975, apparently. But all the cryptozoologists that want to sell books about sea monsters conveniently leave that part out. Well, okay, but there are other sightings and photos and stuff, though. So just because this one photo is a hoax doesn't mean that Nessie doesn't exist. Yeah, like maybe the one taken in May of 1977 by Anthony Doc Shields. And you can tell how trustworthy he is because his nickname is Doc and he isn't a doctor. Uh. He's actually a magician and a psychic. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. He also didn't take pictures of the Loch Ness Monster either, but that didn't stop him from claiming that he did and presenting them to the public. Unlike the typical plesiosaur image we get, Shields described Nessie as an elephant squid <laughs> and said the long neck you see in the surgeon's photograph is actually the squid's trunk. And no, squids don't have trunks, so fucked if I know what he meant there. <laughs> um, suffice it to say, though, that his picture is so rubbery and ridiculous, it's often referred to as the Loch Ness Muppet. Nice. Okay, so and, and let me guess, the number of sightings of Nessie has gone down precisely as the prevalence of cameras has gone up, haven't they? They sure have, but modern technology fucks this myth even harder than that, because sonar has gotten really good in the intervening eight decades plus. So despite its truly monumental depth, we can basically look all the way down into the lock and see what's there. And what do we see? Fishes and shit. Mm. Look, back in the early 2000s, the BBC used satellite navigation technology to aim 600 separate sonar beams through the lake. In the words of the researchers, quote, we went from shoreline to shoreline, top to bottom on this one. We have covered everything in this lock, and we saw no signs of any large living animal in the lock, end quote. So unlike stuff like Bigfoot and Chupacabra that could always technically be in a part of the forest you haven't looked at yet, we can definitively say that the Loch Ness Monster does not exist. Hmm. So I guess with the hoaxes so well documented, the complete lack of physical evidence after 87 years, and the definitive sonar evidence disproving the theory, there's probably not much interest in Nessie anymore, huh? Cryptid-based tourism accounts for over $50 million Jesus a year in tourist Christ. revenues, and the lock was seeing upwards of 2 million visitors a year in the pre-COVID times. Okay, but at least some of those people were just there to see a pretty lake, though, right? Maybe, but there are 29,999 other locks in Scotland, and none of them are within two orders of magnitude of Loch Ness's visitors. Uh, okay, so with the theory so thoroughly debunked, why do people still go? Because this shit is worth over 50 million bucks a year. Look, Scotland is kind of like Canada. All the shit worth seeing is way south. Sure, maybe you take a drive north of Edinburgh, but what the hell is the point? Northern Scotland needs this shit. 
So despite the fact that it's a fairy tale that can be entirely dismissed by logical people, they still pump literally millions of pounds into ad campaigns of the but-you-never-know variety. Okay. Well, I guess the only question left to ask is, How bullshit is it? It's Scottish bullshit, Noah. So, incomprehensible? Exactly. All right. Well, I'm sure there's more bullshit yet to poke our way through, but there's one more entry that we can cross off the list. Lucinda, thanks so much for your help. Jumanji, Noah. Before we kick our feet up tonight, I want to remind you that you're a much better person than you give yourself credit for. I know I don't know you, but I'm almost certainly right. Anyway, that's all the blast we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's Hot Freight God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even new episode of our half-sister show Citation New, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode would have a weird, empty echo in it if I neglected to thank Keith Enright for letting me travel Europe vicariously through him. I need to thank Eli Bosnick for letting me travel any way I want through him for 50 bucks as a standing offer. I want to thank the lovely and talented Lucinda Illusions for helping out even more than usual over the last few weeks. I also want to thank Gavin for providing this week's part with, quote, he said he didn't have anything to promote but humanism, equality, and beer, though not necessarily in that order. So, you know, crack a beer, share an equal amount with a human, and tell him Gavin sent you. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people, Jason, Michael, Matt, Mickey, Mark from Connecticut, Stephanie, Darren, Dennis, Zach, 0118, and Kay Desern. Jason, Michael, and Matt, whose ejaculations are measured on the enhanced Fujita scale, Mickey, Mark from Connecticut, and Stephanie, whose IQs are so high, Mountaineers try to scale them, Darren, Dennis, and Zach, who are so bright you have to put on sunglasses to read their emails, and Kay Desern, who has discerning taste in podcast patronage. Sorry, you're probably sick of that joke, but it's new to me. This is the first time I've made it. Anyway, together these ten delightfully doting disbelievers deign to deliver a donation to our degradation of doctrine this week by giving us money. Not all your money belongs with us, but some of it does. If you agree, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash atheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but not in a monetary way, you can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review, telling a friend about the show, or following at PIATPod on Twitter. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robinson handles our Social media or an audio engineer is Morgan Clark. We'll also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the content info on the contact page at scalingadius.com. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> no Sorry. problem. I'm going to start it again from yeah. the beginning. <clears throat> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Warning, this podcast is not safe for work. But other than that, it has very little in common with capitalism. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Gabby, WordTune, and by the new Christian kids game, Hungry, Hungry Hypocrisy, because Christian kids need to learn to swallow shit without question early. And now... The Scathing Atheist. Hi, I'm Katie from Dallas, Texas. I don't have anything to promote other than wear a mask and get your vaccinations. And we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men and women. Thursday, 
It's September 23rd, and it's National Dogs in Politics Day, because we learned on January 6th that housebroken was not the least you could ask for. I'm No Illusions, and from Judy Blooms, New Jersey, Cincinnati Red State, and Redtown Blue State, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, our headlines will be closer to the present, but they still won't be the present. Lucinda will continue to pop in when you least expect it. Hey, Lucinda. And friendly atheist Hemant Mehta will be here to learn that the word new isn't legally protected, apparently. But first, the diatribe. Okay, so I'll admit up front that I was hesitant about doing this diatribe because it's one big sports analogy, and a lot of you hate anything that mentions any sport of any kind. Doesn't matter if the analogy requires any prior knowledge about the sport. Some of you just have this weird, inexplicable prejudice against all things sport. But I feel like I love a good analogy more than you hate sports talk, so I'm going with it. So one of the things that makes my job tough is that I was never really religious. Unlike many of you, I never had to walk away from a faith, and to the extent that I kind of did, it was gradual and painless. None of my personality was wrapped up in my belief system. None of my family disowned me for my apostasy. I didn't need to make new friends. Of course, I had to give up things that I felt were integral to my personality. I've alienated family members. I have lost friends. So I can sympathize with all of that stuff to a certain degree. But the one thing I can't really get my head around is the psychological break so many of you had to suffer through. You know, there was like a conscious moment where you had to admit that you didn't believe in this shit anymore, and then you had to decide to walk away from it. And I can't imagine what that was like. But it occurred to me that I can get pretty close to an analogous sports thing. Now, as many of you know, I'm a big fan of American football. Wasn't really by choice. I didn't pick my personal sports denomination, but rather it was handed down to me by family tradition. I didn't come from a hockey family or a basketball family or a baseball family. I came from a football family. My dad was a football fan, and his dad was a football fan before him. Super Bowl was sacred at my house. Now, as a kid, I didn't care much for football. I found it boring, and I didn't really understand it. Plus, it tied up the TV all day on Sunday, so it kept me from watching fun stuff. But my dad loved it when I watched football along with them. And the more knowledgeable and interested I became, the prouder he seemed to be of me. And eventually, it got to where I really liked it. But more than the sport itself, I like the community, the camaraderie. You know, like when you watch football with a group of people, everybody's all into it together. You feed off one another's energy. And like when I met a stranger for the first time, football gave me a, a good conversational in. If they were a football fan, I could have an interesting conversation with them for half an hour without needing a personality in any way. But along the way, I stopped really believing in it. You know, when I was a kid, I was 100% invested in every play, but now it's just something that's kind of on in the background while I scroll through Facebook or play Candy Crush. But more than that, as I've gotten older, I noticed a lot of problematic elements to this game that I didn't see as a kid. The exploitation of uncompensated young people, the inherent violence, the sexism, the racism. Problems made all the worse by the sports governing body downplaying well-documented dangers and excommunicating players who stand up for racial equality. Plus... When I was a kid, football players all seemed like moral icons. The teams were always involved with all these charity drives. The players were always visiting kids in hospitals. The league gave out its most prestigious award every year to the player who did the most work in his community. 
Hell, there's even a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. But as I've gotten older, I realize that, sure, some of the players were really good people, but that had nothing to do with football. A lot of them were also rapists. What's more, the league seems way more committed to ousting people with outspoken views on racial justice than they do to ousting rapists and abusers. So now, here I sit reflecting on my own moral culpability. I've tithed to this thing. I watch the ads on their broadcast, but I've also purchased their jerseys. I've bought tickets to their games. I bear at least some responsibility for the astronomical success of this inherently destructive, ultimately valueless institution. And yet, for whatever reason, I can't make myself walk away from it. Some of it is family pressure. Sure, my dad texts me about Lions games. My mom asks me how the Jaguars are doing when she calls. Some of it's community pressure. Right, my, my friends still invite me to watch playoff games with them. I still get roped into fantasy leagues now and again, but mostly it's just momentum. During football season, I watch football games. It's been part of my personality so long that I don't really know who I'd be without it. In other words, I don't have the courage that you did. Now, look, I, I, I get this is not a perfect analogy. It's an insult to the formerly devout atheists to pretend that giving up a sport that I like is akin to the kind of personal overhaul that many of them went through, but the analogy is too good to pass up. Hell, their giant, gaudy facilities are even huge burdens on the local tax base. In, in, in a sense, the comparative triviality of what I'm talking about just reinforces my point. I can't muster the nerve to just, you know, go on a hike on Sunday afternoon and not check the scores later. Nobody's going to disown me, and the NFL never promised me eternal life, and yet that ingrained nugget of personality is still too much for me to sever. Just know that if you left religion as an adult, I stand in awe of you. You know, when I meet people like you at the conferences and stuff, I, they usually seem embarrassed to admit that they were devout believers in their 20s or 30s or 40s. They act like I'm going to think less of them because of that. So for whatever it's worth, it's the exact opposite. The older you were when you left the church, the harder that journey was, and I have nothing but respect for that. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight is the past. We're still out gallivanting and whatnot, but we still have plenty of stories that we stocked up on before the break to keep you entertained, and we'll get right to those after a quick word from this week's first sponsor, Gabby. Hey, Noah. What are you doing to the paper towels? Deplying, Lucinda. Deplying? That's right. There's actually two rolls worth on each spindle if you're willing to commit. Noah, if you're trying to save money, why not just start with your auto insurance? That makes no sense. It doesn't even have plies. <laughs> no, I mean trying Gabby. It takes all the hassle of shopping for the best deal on auto insurance. Things that would take days to do on your own are over in minutes with Gabby. Cool. Well, yeah, deploying really does eat into your schedule. So. <laughs> no worries, because Gabby uses your current policy to compare your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. They're the one true comparison platform with fast, verifiable quotes, not ballpark guesses. I don't know, Lucinda. I've had some problems with things that claim to be the one true X. <laughs> I get it. But Gabby is free to use, and they never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. Really? Well, no more spam or robocalls anyway. I actually tried Gabby before they started sponsoring the show, and it turned out we were overpaying for our insurance by almost 50 bucks a month. But they gave me like a dozen comparisons, and now we're saving big. In fact, people who switch with Gabby save, on average, 80 bucks a month versus their current policy. 
$80. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it just you that loves Gabby? No, no, it's not just me who loves Gabby. Gabby has been featured in TechCrunch, Forbes, and USA Today. Paragons of journalism that they are. Indeed. So start saving on your auto insurance today. Go to Gabby.com slash gating to start saving today. It's totally free. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash gating. Gabby.com slash gating. All right. Well, I'm convinced. Good. Now, please tell me you didn't do this to the toilet paper. I, I can not tell you whatever you want. <sighs> and now, back to headlines from the past, already in progress. And in ruining our global pandemic news tonight. COVID is still hard at work trying to help us out with that churchgoers live longer statistic. And we learned that yet again this week, this time from data released by the UK's Office of National Statistics. The data tracked COVID deaths in the UK from January 2020 through February 2021. And lo and behold, people with no religion were the least likely to die from the disease. Get the fuck out of here. Right? No. And not by a small degree either, by the way. The religious demographic in second place was Christians and atheists were 15% less likely to die of COVID than them. And that was even without using the promo code scathing at checkout. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tiffany at Audio Boom, I know you're listening. We want that Pfizer ad campaign. I won't put a a tragic scene in the background. I promise. (laughs) It's a normal normal one. I bet poor Tiffany does have to listen at this point. What? (laughs) World saving medicine. (laughs) Now, of course, the more educated and richer you are, the less likely you are to be religious and the more likely you are to have access to top notch everything in terms of healthcare, even if you live in the UK. Right. So some of this is not causal, obviously, but some of it also is. So the Office for National Statistics summarizes the data like this, quote. Men and women in the no religion group and women identifying as other religion had lower rates of death involving COVID-19 compared with the Christian group. And then they like rank all the different religions and like who did the worst. And then they add, quote, adjusting for differences in location, sociodemographic factors and certain pre-existing health condition accounts for a large portion, but not all of excess COVID-19 mortality risk observed in some religious groups. End quote. Okay, but not all is pretty key there. So just to be clear (laughs) for statistical purposes believing in things that are definitely not real kind of needs to count as a pre-existing condition (laughs) (laughs) right so it is treatable but it's a pre-existing condition yeah or hear me out we find this valley right okay you with me Talking about John Gall? Oh, God, they'd be so pissed if they weren't invited when it finally happened. Yeah. So, yeah, education and income are definitely important. Christians also tend to be older on average than atheists, but not going into a tiny room with a big crowd of people to amen at each other really loud also factors into it. (laughs) Right? Not thinking a magical being was looking after you also factored into it. Believing in science also factored into it. And look. Interesting. I think it's important to remind everybody that while religious people tend to be less educated than atheists, the same is not true for religious leaders, right? Oh, so you're like super guilty. Right, exactly. If you're leading a group that's disproportionately uneducated, I feel like it's all the more important that you don't lie to them about what can and can't cure a disease. And that puts me in the fucking minority. Yep. Jesus. You're ruining our pandemic, our perfectly good pandemic. Yeah. Also excludes you from the Supreme Court at this point. So. Yeah. <laughs> and all other points, actually. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And in Furniture Dicks news, 
The Adorable Furniture Shop. <laughs> That's going to make sense. Yeah, thank you. The Adorable Furniture Shop, 4th and Main on Laurel, located in Conway, South Carolina, not at 4th and Main on Laurel, has challenged us to Wait, a really? Hallmark theme. No, they have a different location they, than that's on not, Laurel. That, how okay. could that be addressed? 4th and Main <laughs> is on 4th or fucking Main, not Laurel. <laughs> They have a really weird grid. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's just a diagonal. Maybe. Laurel just runs diagonally right through it, apparently. Yeah. M- MZ Escher designed their city. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Anyways, that poorly named furniture store has challenged us to an adorable Hallmark-themed prank war. Have they? So slide on your Ugg boots, order extra whip on your pumpkin spice frappuccino, and let's slip the people who dress up their dogs of war. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... What's the story? All right. Yeah, fair. Fair story. Here's the story. Fourth and Main on Laurel came to national attention this week when one of its owners wrote on the store's blog that they include a tiny wooden crucifix inside every piece of furniture they sell as a blessing. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Here's why. Quote, every home needs a blessing of some kind. Maybe there's something going on. Maybe there's not. But every home needs a blessing. That's my way of doing it. End quote. Okay. Hate to break it to you, Fourth and Main on Laurel. That's not actually in that place. A bunch of those crosses are upside down by the time they arrive at someone's house. <laughs> that's why the magic isn't working. It's pretty much yeah, probably out. Like half the time. It's gonna be closer to upside down than right side up. Also, Stupid. I know this isn't the point, but Fourth and Main on Laurel, um, so- something is going on, right? Like just <laughs> just in case that was keeping you up at night. Like whatever, whatever the possibilities are, something going on and. Or not. It's going to be the former unless you're in deep fucking space <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah, until the heat death. <laughs> Restaurant at the end of the universe. And, and look, yeah. we talk about some truly evil motherfuckers on this show, and they are not in the same league over at Fourth and Laurel. But I got to say, I've seen this story reported like six times in mainstream news outlets as this like adorable gesture of goodwill that this store does. Nope. Which it is not. No. Right? At best, at best, it's a creepy thing to do to your fellow Christians. And at worst, you sell a piece of furniture to, I don't know, a non-Christian, and then it's an itsy-bitsy threat you put in each yeah. of your objects you sell right. to people. Right, in some Muslim kid's <laughs> dresser, yeah. Yes, exactly. But either way, I'm still hollowing out Gideon Bibles to hold... Fuck toys when I stay at a hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah obviously. obviously. <laughs> really big dicks usually. Uh, of course. Obviously. Or like medium. Well, because the Gideon Bible <laughs> is only so big. You know? yep. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Well, luckily for us, one of the best ways to help Christians see their own hypocrisy is with the help of their imaginary enemy, Satan. So if you live in Conway, South Carolina, move. Why not? <laughs> why not head on down and support a local business that believes everyone deserves a blessing? Totally unrelated, you can buy a bag of pentagrams on Etsy for $8. Huh. <laughs> no idea why I brought that up. I'm just saying. I brought nothing. Yeah, just save yourself eight bucks. I feel like like waving your hands over an ottoman while mumbling pseudo-Latin would be enough to scare them into exercising it, right? <laughs> oh, oh they, now we got to do two in that one. Cause yeah. they, that guy, he lifted his butt cheeks and waved at it. I don't like that. Flip it upside down. And next up in headlines, (laughs) a Colorado woman named Amy Carlson was found dead last week with her body mummified by a very inept mummifying squad. 
using a, a sleeping bag, some cloth, and a string of Christmas lights. Jesus. Also, her eyeballs were completely removed. Jesus fucking Christ. And seven close acquaintances were then arrested and charged with abusing a corpse and possibly killing her in a different state and then moving her to an apartment in Colorado to decompose for the last month. So you're all probably wondering, was she the organizer of a secular hobby club? (laughs) Turns out she was not. She was not. She was the mother god of a religious cult. And the name of the cult is Love Has One. Okay. The cult. Okay, Grammar Pedden and me wants to toss out how unnecessary the has is in that name as <laughs> Thank possibly you. a motive. Love has been having one <laughs> imperfect. Okay, again, tragic, but I feel like if you're the head of a cult and it ends with people removing your eyes with grapefruit spoons, you didn't maximize your leadership <laughs> in the cult. All right, so just in case anyone missed one single episode of Dr. Phil when they had a big emergency last year. Here's what we learned about Carlson and the love has been having one cult during her episode of Dr. Phil last year. She's somewhere in the range of 45 years old to 19 billion years old. Okay. She can cure cancer with the power of love. Oh, I would lead with that one. Yeah, no, that's a good one. (laughs) Using that power, she's done over 100,000 spiritual surgeries. Mm. She stabs out the cancer with the love, apparently. It seems like it wouldn't be a surgery. Yeah. (laughs) She also talks with Robin Williams a lot since he died. Never before he died. They met after that. Okay. Sure. And she's been reincarnated over 530 times. It's it's a number above that. It's a number more than 530. (laughs) She knows exactly 530 or more somehow. Her past lives include Joan of Arc, who actually probably had a death that was worse than that. Yeah, no. Sure, yeah. Also Marilyn Monroe. Killed by FDR. (laughs) What? Fucked Anton LaVey. Yeah. No, she didn't. Cleopatra. Also died. Tragic. (laughs) I'm getting a pattern here, lady. And wait for it, Eli. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah. Again, the eye gouging, not that bad compared to the other ones. She's, yeah, really. You know, a veteran yeah. of bad deaths. Hey, stop reincarnating. <laughs> right? Stop working out. You suck at living. <laughs> well, she's trending up. It's getting more pleasant, I guess. That's true. true. Yeah. yeah. She's just going to be like a guy named Dave next time. <laughs> well, uh. here's the thing. She didn't mention any lives of not famous people. It's weird. It was just all famous people. And she actually has full memory of all those lives, including the entire crucifixion. Wow. Okay, so really fucked up half-related story about this. So I guessed it on a podcast called The True Crime Campfire Podcast, where we talked about a couple of different cults. And the hosts, Katie and Whitney, highlighted this particular cult. So the episode aired the same, I believe, the same day that this chick's body was found. What? Interesting. Yeah, I I guess what I'm saying, Katie, Whitney, if you guys want to do an episode about the MyPillow guy, I am down for (laughs) it. Yeah. Forget the death note. We found the death (laughs) podcast, people. (laughs) Okay, so I think there's a couple good lessons in there, believe it or not. First of all, 
we learned that love has been having one. Mm-hmm. And also, <laughs> based on the data, if you want to avoid getting murdered and having your eyes gouged out and getting wrapped in cheesecloth like a badly rolled joint by an idiot <laughs> and then dumped at a secret human composting apartment in Colorado, here's what you do. Don't be in a cult. Don't there be in a cult. Guaranteed yeah. foolproof strategy right there. Also, don't talk to Dr. Phil. Just yeah. tell me another good move just in general, unrelated. Always. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Pre-recorded Heath, pre-recorded Eli. Thanks as always. Jumanji. And when we come back, Hemet Meadow will be here, and I won't. So I'll feel kind of cheated. Hey, podcast listeners. Do you have a coworker who suffers from bad writing? Yes. Ooh, over here. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was talking to the listeners, Noah. I listened to this show. Fair enough. Well, you're not alone. Every year, U.S. businesses waste over $400 billion because bad writing causes confusion, misses the mark, or just takes too long to get to the point. I find that hard to believe. Come on, imagine Eli writing stuff where large amounts of money are at stake. And it all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, our new sponsor is looking to change all that. WordTune is a subscription service that fine-tunes the writing of your whole team. We got a free trial of it, and I was amazed by how much time it saved me. It was like having a real-time editor. WordTune understood what I was trying to say and saved me a ton of time trying to figure out the best way to phrase it. Well, I don't know, Lucinda. What about... Okay, actually, I do know there is no other service I need more in my life. How do I get this? Well, this part is huge. For our listeners that want to improve their entire team's writing right now, WordTube Teams is 50% off. That's 50%. WordTube improves writing efficiency up to four times. How in the world is that calculated? No idea, but it's in the must-read. Okay. Uh, better, faster writing means better business. WordTune improves performance on any project, everything from internal emails to press releases, sales outreach to customer service support, and so much more. You can use WordTune anywhere you're writing online, including Google Docs, Slack, Outlook, Web, and WhatsApp. I appreciate the detail, but I would literally cut off a finger to install this on Eli's computer, so... <laughs> well, right now, our listeners can get 50% off WordTune for Teams at wordtune.com slash scathing. If you want to see the benefit of WordTune, you can try WordTune for free at wordtune.com slash scathing. But this 50% discount is only available for a limited time and only available for Teams. You might never see a discount like this again. Never? Never. Wow. Your team can start writing better right away for 50% off. That's half price at wordtune.com slash scathing. So here at The Scathing Atheist, we consider ourselves to be dedicated skeptics. We're always looking for new arguments that might refute our current worldview. And that's why we went to... Prager University's YouTube channel to find something like that. They're the bleeding edge of metaphysics and epistemology and the perfect source for another god-awful mini. And Eli is still here from the show. So am I. We're both here. Just want to be clear that we're both <laughs> still here. Eli, you good with that? We're both here? I, cool. I just, you know, just like a little welcome, little little clarity. Okay. Well, there it was. <laughs> And for contrast, we're joined by a truly great voice in the atheist movement. We have Hemet Mehta of the Friendly Atheist. Hemet, welcome back. Gentlemen, hello. I'm so excited for this. 
This video makes me <laughs> so happy. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. So let's get right into it. What <laughs> god-awful mini are we going to be breaking down today? We watched this video from 2014 from PragerU, and it's called, Does God Exist? Four New Arguments. <laughs> and I have to say... I told you, cutting edge, bleeding edge of metaphysics right here. The thing that excited me most was that PragerU found new arguments for God's existence, and I was so excited to hear these... <laughs> I mean, one new argument would be amazing. Love to hear it. But man, they got four. And to introduce <laughs> these four new ideas that are going to convince atheists everywhere to believe in God, they found like the most prominent astrophysicist slash science expert slash biologist they could find. Did they? Uh, theologian. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the person has multiple PhDs and everything <laughs> <laughs> from Prager you maybe yeah maybe yeah, yeah we'll get to it yeah no they <laughs> they found no one of academic <laughs> no of none. academic influence they found no actual theologian they found a mediocre Cincinnati Reds pitcher <laughs> yeah they did <laughs> and that may be besides the four new arguments the fact that this is their narrator for all this. <laughs> it's amazing. And did they even really find four arguments for God? I feel like they found four no. things about science that they were like, we're going to expand this into four things and say these are wrong. But there was no argument. Four things I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. There are four new arguments for the sort of people who watch Prager You and think, I've never heard anyone comment <laughs> on anything. <laughs> I've never read a book in my life. What are, I mean, I get, I mean, everything's <laughs> new to somebody, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, Eli, let's be a little more specific. How bad was this mini? Well, if you love Thanksgiving arguments with your Christian uncle Frank, but he lacks the hubris of an act one final destination character, you <laughs> will love this mini. <laughs> I love final destination. All right. Is there anything you guys would like to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? Yeah, I am stunned by the amount of overconfidence matched with the <laughs> level of ignorance. Like, you have to be arrogant to say, yeah, you have to be somewhat arrogant, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, to say, I have not just the definitive proof of God's existence, but four of them. And I'm going to tell them to you in like three minutes, four minutes. But the amount of arrogance with which he's like, yep, I got it. Here they are. Boom. Drop the mic. <laughs> mixed, mixed with the fact that when we examine this, he's not actually saying anything of value. That to me was just amazing, even for PragerU. It's impressive. Yes. Very impressive. I mean it yeah. in a, I mean I mean arrogant in a bad way. I think Kemet was just being nice. <laughs> I I mean all that in a bad way when I say the same thing. Absolutely. I would also like to do a best worst. Yes, you would. I'm going to say best worst <laughs> backstory. So, as you heard from Hemet, the narrator is a former Cincinnati Reds pitcher. His name is Frank Pastore. He was on the Reds in the 80s. And he later became a Christian radio host. He's going to tell us 
about why God is definitely real. Well, that guy did an episode of his radio show in 2012 and explained how he rides a motorcycle, adding, quote, exact quote, at any minute, I could be spread all over the 210 freeway, but that's just my body part, and that key distinction undergirds the entire Christian worldview. Now, okay, that's ridiculous, but here's what happened next. Three hours later, he was Three riding his motorcycle. Hours Three hours later, this is really what happened. <laughs> He's riding his motorcycle, and he got spread all over the 210 freeway when he got hit by a car. <laughs> and he died from that because God is apparently Jewish or Muslim or one of the other ones and also hilarious. <laughs> Two quick things about that. One is I did not know that detail, but I saw the video and I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but two, yep. the video, as you said, he died in 2012. When was this video released? 2014. He came back from the dead to make a PragerU video about this. Like, and the thing is, look, obviously he filmed it beforehand and they're premiering it in 2014, but they make no mention of the fact that this guy is dead in the description. No. They're just like, yep, this is it. You don't need to know anything else about Frank. No. They don't mention that he died of God. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took them two years to edit five minutes of video. Imagine how long it would have taken them to put that in the description. <laughs> See, and I was going to go with best worst misappropriation of the term Big Bang, which in this video will just mean shit I don't understand or believe in. I honestly thought you were referring to the getting hit by a car. <laughs> oh, that too. Could be that too. <laughs> That's the fifth Big Bang. Yeah, We'll talk about it. All right. Well, let's get into the video. So we're going to start with Jim Pastore, Elmer Fudd in a sports coat, and he was an atheist. He announces right here for 27 years. So you know he's credible. Yeah. Yeah. He went to atheist church every Sunday, really dedicated to the cause. Man. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to play it right now, but I every single time an apologist opens any lecture or video with like, I used to be an atheist for I was a hardcore atheist for this long. Immediately, the red flag should go off because it's like, what does <laughs> what does that mean for you? Right. What exactly does it mean that you were a hardcore atheist, that you were an atheist at all? Because for a lot of these people. Lee Strobel, Kirk Cameron, those types, it really, I mean, when you listen to more of what they say, it just comes off like they were apathetic and they never thought about this stuff, which yeah. is fine. I, I'm not saying you were secretly a Christian or something, but you didn't really think about it. And there's nothing, I don't have a problem with that. Not everyone cares about this stuff as much as all of us do. But don't say I was an atheist for 27 years as if you were like... Right one of you guys with the podcast or a blog or, or you were an activist on the ground. No, no, no. You just didn't care about religion or whatever. Yeah. yeah. If I don't take up tennis until I'm 27 years old, I wasn't an anti-tennisist yeah. for the first yeah. 20 years of my life. You're an yeah. anti-tennis apostate at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's nonsense. He, he's like that guy calling up the radio show for like the Yankees and being like, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually a huge Yankees. I used to be a Mets fan, but now I'm a Yankees fan, so you know I'm incredible. <laughs> no, you're not. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely not. You switched from Mets to Yankees. Get out of here. <laughs> so 
He also says here right at the beginning, I used to think religious people were less intelligent and less educated. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, but then you learned that big data is a hoax. Like, we have very clear stats on the averages there. He also says, I used to think religious people were just in it for the money, the sex, and the power. And look, the money and the power I get, but <laughs> are there people into, like, the mainstream religions for the sex? I mean, maybe there's Not a couple, in a good but... way. It's That's a really, really bad thing for most of the uh, answers to that question. I don't think Kenny Copeland is in this for the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> also, by the way, there's a little visual aid on the screen here, and he says the thing about money, sex, and power. And sex is represented by a guy with... No sleeves and no pants and a cigar holding hands with the the sign from the women's public bathroom. That's, that's <laughs> the visual aid for sex. With a ponytail and lipstick, which I don't even know why, but I'm offended. And I don't really understand why I'm offended by that image. But yeah, it's a weird way. And like, I'm offended. Yeah. <laughs> look, I'm with you. I, I don't know why either. I am though. I understand where he's coming from with the concerns about like, you know, religion used to be bad and evil. And I thought, whatever, whatever. Okay. I know where that's coming from. But seriously, anyone who I've known as an activist, as someone who's promoted as much as I could say atheism for a while, they will be the first to tell you, no, of course there are intelligent religious people. I think they are yes, wrong on this obviously. particular subject. The fact that, I mean, right after this guy says, <laughs> you know, I or at some point he says I was an atheist for 27 years. Here's another red flag. Your entire opinion of religion is the most unnuanced, stereotypical, atheistic thing. Like, yeah. nope, all religious people are in it for money, sex and power. Like. No, there. Have you never met a pastor who was just like, no, I don't really make any money, but I really believe this stuff. Like, I've met tons of those people. Yeah, those are not my bigger problems here. Like, this guy has no nuance on any of this. <laughs> He's yeah. saying right off the <laughs> bat, here's why you should not trust me because I have no awareness. Right. <laughs> That's what came out to me right up front, and I'm like, I'm not even up to four arguments yet. But right off the bat, you're telling me all the reasons. I cannot trust your judgment because you clearly don't think about this stuff. No. Yeah, in a second he's going to say, religion is a psychological crutch for intellectual weaklings. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know, man, maybe don't argue with 4chan so much. Talk to an actual <laughs> atheist. <laughs> yeah, like, I wonder if someone wrote that script for him because they were like, oh, we have to write something for a former atheist. I know what we can have him say. I mean, honestly, yeah. that description sounds exactly like the same trumped up version of atheism you see in every apologetics book. Yeah. Yep. Nonsense straw man thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where he says, uh, so what changed my mind after my 27 dedicated years as an atheist? Yeah. And then he says, I tell the whole story in my book. So he, he tries to sell his book <laughs> two years after he died. Mm -hmm. The book is called Shattered. Struck down, but not destroyed. You know, that's a very, very unfortunate name right there. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, he published that book in 2011, literally the year before he got shattered and destroyed by God as a prank. I tell the whole thing in my book, I will never get hit by a car and die. <laughs> Available now on Kindle. <laughs> right. But he says, okay, we're just going to focus on one little section of my book for our purposes here at 
Prager University. That's where they first announced. I was like, I almost turned it off. I almost turned it off right here. I didn't know it was Prager right away. <laughs> yeah, he says, now look, simply put, I set out to disprove theism. I wrote in my notes, oh, you set out to prove a negative. How'd that go for you? Did yeah. it go awesome? Yeah, so he did that because his Christian teammates on the Cincinnati Reds challenged him to read some religion books and critique them, which sounds like a really real, real thing that happened in a professional <laughs> baseball clubhouse in 1983. Classic <laughs> locker room talk. Pete Rose was like, oh, really? Kalam cosmological argument? Let's do this. Let's fucking do this right now. Fuck you. And then he, and then he said, let's bet on it. <laughs> yeah. What are they talking about? There, there are coaches. I mean, Phil, I'm from Chicago. Phil Jackson, who used to coach the Bulls, would make a big showing of like, yeah, I gave my players these books on Zen Buddhism and how to get in the right mindset. I understand there there is a place for that, and that could be a tool. But like, who are all of these people who are getting together in the dugout and discussing these issues? And I'm... I don't have these conversations ever with anybody, and I do this for a living. <laughs> Who is this guy? No wonder he was a mediocre pitcher. He's not focusing on the game. People avoid these conversations because we do this for a living. <laughs> you know what really helps my slider when I read Augustine? Really? You read Augustine to help your slider? Okay. Yeah. And But he actually says that. He says, I ran into some difficulty along the way in my trying to disprove the religious people on the Cincinnati Reds of the 80s. The difficulty along the way was stuff like Aristotle and Augustine and Aquinas. <laughs> Keep in mind, this video is called Four New Arguments, and he has yet to mention a philosopher from the advanced era of the 18th century. <laughs> but what he realized is that if he was going to disprove God, he would need to believe in four Big bangs. Mm. So we're going to start with the first one here. It's it's the big bang that you know about. Everything else is an insane rambling on a PragerU video. But the big bang, at least according to Frank, is that nothing popped and then boom, there was something. And I just wrote in my notes, man, that is not the big bang. Yeah. I was just like, I reject everything that comes after this. I'm going to, I guess, because we're doing the segment, I'm going to keep watching, but absolutely not. <laughs> and then, then we get another visual aid here. He's like, yeah, it's just like a light switch. And in case we didn't understand what the fuck he meant by light switch, because that's confusing, we actually see a light switch being switched. Mm -hmm. So that's how the Big Bang happened. That, that's what you have to believe to be an atheist, is that there was a light switch at the beginning of the universe. Yep. And someone flipped it on. <laughs> This is where your tuition money goes at PragerU for illustrations <laughs> of light switches. Yeah, ads for salt pills and illustrations of light switches. Mm -hmm. Yep, and dark money to Republicans. Yep, <laughs> yep. that's where your money goes. And so this is when he says, all right, so, uh, you know, again, I'm a uh, critical thinker. I decided I want to follow the evidence wherever it leads. And <laughs> I want to make an extra nomination for best worst here. Best worst visual aids. I already mentioned a couple. Ooh, At this yeah. moment, we see... A placemat at Denny's. So the truth about the origin of the universe is following the evidence wherever it leads. Just so we understand what that means, we watch a 
map being filled out very slowly as if on the placemat at a Denny's. It's a maze. So it's it's not even a hard maze. There's literally like one path that you can go on without <laughs> any real blockades or anything. But yeah, I mean, have you I mean, if you look at the quality of some of the science videos on YouTube, they're like gorgeous and they look incredible. And then you see this. It's like, <laughs> you, I know you have money. I mean, the visuals, when you when you look at him, like, it looks like a professional is talking. You know they have some money to put into this, and yet they use none of it on these visuals. No, no, this is a Fiverr-based business strategy for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what he's going to bring up now is the problem, quote-unquote, of abiogenesis, but he's going to get to it in the weirdest, most roundabout way. So he starts by saying... After the Big Bang, there were only three elements, which seems like a weird claim. But then those three elements, they turned into all the other elements. But that's just matter and energy, not life. And I wrote in my notes, is life not matter and energy to Frank Pastore? <laughs> also, I got excited here. I was like, oh, so that was first Big Bang, matter and energy. The second one is going to be... When two amoebas fucked and he's going to show us that? Like, what's, what's about to happen now? Those are already alive, man. Actually, this is interesting because I don't think he shows amoebas at all. I think when he jumps from Big Bang 1, which is the Big Bang, to, to Big Bang 2, which is like life coming into existence, he jumps right to a picture of like a fully formed human. There is nothing <laughs> in between there. We came fully developed. I mean, creation style, mm -hmm. but that's the thing. He doesn't show two amoebas. He jumps right to, like, Frankenstein. Yeah. Yep. He also <laughs> confuses himself with the word abiogenesis, and he's like, oh, a bio what? And then he has a visual aid to, like, tap along all six of those syllables for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, how did abiogenesis happen? And I wrote in my notes, well, I'm glad you asked. It's impossible. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> this is also where he, like, tries to sneak in, like, a post-asterisk explanation of abiogenesis. He's like, I mean, yes, let me concede everything we've learned about life. But that doesn't matter if you can't make a rock dance. So nothing. We know nothing. We know nothing because you can't make a rock dance. And where, I, at some point here, he says, you know, I don't know if he said I read the following scientists or that, you know, we can look to what the great scientists figured out. And he shows, of course, like Einstein and Watson and Crick as if the ones that are most familiar to everybody are the only scientists who have ever said anything about these issues. Like Watson and Crick or Darwin. Darwin, like, developed the theory, but he's not, like, the evolution expert that you would see today because we know so much more now than he did. So to, to suggest, as he does, like, well, you know, I read Darwin or Darwin said this. Why are you quoting Darwin who didn't even know about DNA? There are so many people <laughs> who could do a better job of explaining all this stuff you don't understand and you're quoting none of them. Yeah. He also mentioned Louis Pasteur here, which uh, was a weird, like, circle the one that doesn't belong for me. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. important science. I don't remember Louis Pasteur talking about the Big Bang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that actually is going to bring us to our third Big Bang in Frank's definition, which is how do you explain that there are more than one animal? <laughs> 
We get another visual aid. A graphic, a really bad one. They're all really bad. A graphic of Noah's Ark. And there's a a shepherd with, like, the, the shepherd crook hook thing. Yes. And he's apparently telling two elephants and two lions and two rhinos to get on the fucking boat. <laughs> That's... That's what's happening right here. All of whom, by the way, if you look at the visual, appear to be copy-pasted. You made one, you copied it, you put it in the image. <laughs> which, which means these are all very gay animals that are going on the ark. Very good yep, point. Very I so. did not internalize <laughs> that. He would be angry that he was blasphemous just, just then, yeah, <laughs> if he were alive. Maybe that's why God smooshed him. <laughs> there you go. Work in theory. Also, if you look at that image with the animals going up on the ark, they're on this platform. What is the shepherd standing on? I believe it's air. I think he's just standing on air. Yeah, he is floating. <laughs> Slightly hovering past her there. Yeah. He's bigger than the lions, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> very, very small lions or an enormous shepherd. Maybe <laughs> giant Noah or giant shepherd who Noah hired. I don't know. And then he points out, he's like, yeah, evolution is a great explanation for that question I just set up. But could Darwin answer, when did all the animals become different exactly at the exact moment in the, the Christian calendar? No? Okay, God is real. Right. Yeah. I mean, this entire video is there are a bunch of things I don't know the answer to. Therefore, no one does. That's the entire video. Right. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think we forgot to mention this. When he, I know he's just kind of riffing here. But at one point he said the universe, you know, the evolutionists believe the universe is 16 billion years old, which is nope. not no, we don't. what anyone says. Like, he's <laughs> kind of a big point there. And again, if it was some random person saying eh, it's roughly that amount, I would probably let it slide. But again, if you're the expert trying to explain why the scientists know nothing, maybe being off by a couple billion years is a telltale sign you're not the expert here. Yep. Yeah. Twelve strikes and you're out. We all know that. <laughs> you're a pitcher. And that, of course, is going to bring us to our fourth Big Bang, which is that we need to explain how animal brains became unprovable magic brains. Mumble, mumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> yeah. How, like, the mechanistic animal brain becomes self-reflective. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, how does the, and, and we, uh, this is another amazing visual aid. The question is, according to that visual aid anyway, how does a tiger turn into Rodin's sculpture of the <laughs> Checkmate, atheists. Yeah. Yeah, he says, even the lowest life forms have brains and central nervous systems. And I was like, no, no, no they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they do not. Why are these all explosions in his head is my question. So this is a great Why question. Why are they all big bangs? He heard the word bang, and I think he was just like, oh, that's explody. So they, <laughs> atheists must mean literally explosions. Yeah. That's where our brains came from. They exploded into existence. Right. And just in case you weren't convinced by that, he wants us to remember that animals don't do art and they don't appreciate beauty. At which point I wrote in my notes, how would you know? Like, if, if Frank caught a dog sighing at a sunset, would he stop believing in God? That's a crazy argument. And there's no yeah. shortage of examples of, you know, animals being charitable, helping each other out. They're not just animalistic, quote unquote. Like, and they do appreciate beauty in their own ways. Like, the idea that, you know, we are somehow super special 
is just not accurate to anyone who's studied the animals. Absolutely. And also, this is all an argument in favor of God existing. But if I could watch a penguin paint a Picasso, that would be so much better. God's kind of shitty for not doing that. <laughs> that would be adorable. Are you kidding me? <laughs> there is an image, by the way, of a squirrel holding a paintbrush in the video. There we go. They even thought of it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Already better. And this, of course, is going to bring us to his final argument, which is not only do animals not make art, but animals also don't have free will and introspection. <laughs> and I wrote in my notes, I mean, I've watched Cupcake Dog, man. Cupcake Dog is definitely <laughs> introspecting. <laughs> Again, why an explosion? Like, a lion was just hunting a gazelle, and then blam! And the lion's like, what am I even doing right now? <laughs> this is mean, right? What does it mean to roar? <laughs> I mean, the, the weird thing is, I actually think that's a good question we don't have a clear answer to, which is how do we develop consciousness and, and our our thoughts? That might be a, a good, unanswerable question. Sure. But like all the other things beforehand... He just puts it all in this bucket of, Meh, I don't have a perfect answer to these things. Therefore, no scientific theory that accounts for this stuff or that is the reigning explanation for this stuff. None of it works for me. And therefore, I'm going to put them all in this bucket of impossible things that require us to believe in God because right. they never could have happened. Yeah, it's lazy. Jim Pastore doesn't know so many things. Why is he not, like, <laughs> atheist? It doesn't make any sense for him to have any stance on any of these. You just don't know stuff. It's fine to not know stuff, but don't you can't form strong opinions about don't it. Don't make a video on YouTube about the stuff you don't know. Yeah. You're ruining Prager U's entire economic model. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? That's fair, Hammett. That's fair. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> and then he closes it out here. He's like, just to be clear, I was serious about all those being literal explosions, just to, like, anger me. And then he gives us the list again. The physics explosion is one. The life explosion is two. The anthropology explosion was three. And the self-reflective lion who's sad about eating the gazelle is number four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He concludes by saying... Next time someone asks you if you believe in the Big Bang, which I, I want to point out has literally never happened to anyone except a Christian apologist, he tells them to answer which one. But that's a terrible piece of advice for a Christian apologist. Someone's going to be like, the, the science one, you know, with the, and then the earth and the, the Carl Sagan. Like, make sure you start all your debates with I'm stupid and pretend not to know what words mean. Can you imagine going to a pitcher, a professional major league pitcher, and saying, oh, you pitch? And, of course, the person would be like, no, there's nuance to this. Every pitch is different. You throw very <laughs> – but, no, he's basically packing it all into Big Bang. It's all, like, one thing that I just don't understand. He, of all people, should understand that, you know, the outside world may not really understand this topic you're an expert in. Maybe it helps to ask a pitcher to explain the different types of pitches. Maybe it helps to ask a scientist to explain the different types of questions that he's asking throughout this video, which he never does. So you're saying you just explode a grenade in your hand and then a slider flies out and it goes over the plate. That's what you're saying. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's the only explanation. Yeah. And then he gives us the ridiculous closer here. He's like, so 
here are the two options. And I was like, nope, going to go ahead oh, and reject God. your false dichotomy right nope. now. Mm-mm. I don't care what you say Mm-mm. next. False. Unless his options are stop watching this video or continue <laughs> watching this video. Too late. He isn't too correct. late. I, I reject that. It's too late to even offer that. His two options are either believe in all four of those big bangs, plus possibly a fifth one, uh, it, for something coming from nothing, or literally the Christian God of the Bible. Those are those two options. <laughs> There's nothing in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always love that. It's never just you have to believe in something from nothing or maybe God exists. No, he didn't go there. If something <laughs> came from nothing or everything in the Bible is literally true. Like a little bit of a leap there. You're like there's a big jump. Yep. And then he, he says, so when people ask about the Big Bang, be ready with this. Make sure you ask which one. Join Prager University. The end. <laughs> Smash that like and subscribe button. We're a university. The end. <laughs> yep. Fuck you. Oh. The worst. It shouldn't be that hard. Honestly, I would think it would be more effective if any of these people with these platforms just said, like, look, there are really good explanations for this. But you know what? There are certain things they can't explain either. Let me talk about that one. I mean, there is, an, there is a way you could give a video like this that is actually helpful for the Christian side. He does none of that stuff. No, he, yeah, he, he, he does really badly for his team. Just stay in your lane and do the unanswerable question stuff and, stupid, you know, vague philosophy stuff. You make it sound good for Christians. You never really cross any, like, obvious wrong lines if you, if you word it correctly. No, <laughs> he doesn't get any of that. He doesn't understand how that whole liar game works. No, <laughs> not at all. He knows how to explode a ball 60 feet and six inches. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, One question, though. As an atheist, which of those bangs is the hardest to defend, in your opinion? Do do you have uh, trouble defending one of those in particular? Uh, Oh, I'm going to go with the introspection one, since this video literally disproves introspection's existence. (laughs) Okay. Yes, which big bangs are we talking about? I think uh, what Eli's saying, the last one where it's how do we develop consciousness, I think that's the hardest for me personally to wrap my head around. But again, to make that jump from I don't know the answer to, I don't know, God poof, the universe into existence is is not a good leap. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But also, I mean, I just want to add, because your question was which bang is the hardest to defend I don't see anyone trying to defend it in the sense that I have a definitive answer that doesn't involve God. It's one of those, I don't think we have enough information to answer this scientifically in a way that makes a lot of sense yet. And by the way, I'm saying that is me, a guy who is not an expert in this stuff. But I mean, that's the thing. If it's evolution and how evolution occurred or how the Big Bang occurred, there are experts who could explain to the best of our understanding how that stuff is happening, that's a far cry from this guy saying, nope, we don't have a 100% definitive answer. The Bible says it's 100% true. I'll go with the one who sounds like he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Right. None of them would say, we're not 100% sure, but we do have this and this and this, but maybe also God of the Bible because we're not sure. None of the experts (laughs) would say that. Mm -hmm. Nope. You know, the saddest thing about all this, that video has about a million views. Get the fuck out of here. It's very discouraging. A million? Mm. Okay. Well, I think we proved why 
God's not dead. He's surely alive. Uh, times four, actually. And huge thanks to Hammett for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, where can everybody hear more from you? Every piece of Frank Pastore. Watch the video. Uh, you can watch me. <laughs> at- yes! Yes, Hammett! <laughs> You can find me at... Get naughty at the end, boo. Get naughty at the end. 